Yes, and welcome to episode 205 of the Strompcast. We've got a Derby Day episode for you with some special guests. But before I introduce them, let me introduce my co-host. Sir Scott, Chris, how are you doing today, man? Uh, I'm doing better than I was doing Sunday. I've had a few days to kind of process it. I was still in shambles yesterday, to be fair. Um, but today, a little bit better. Um, I guess it's a well-timed international break, to, to be fair, for once. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, I'm doing all right. Yeah, nice. Uh, Danny, how are you doing today, man? Low-key, that's a fucked up question, brother. <laughs> 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 no, but I'm kidding. Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, I'm doing better. Uh, same with Chris, you know. Sunday, the Malone was in full effect. I embraced it. I understood it was there, and I embraced it. Also, a little bit under the influence, so that didn't help either. But uh, yeah, no, feeling feeling better today. Ready to talk about it. Also, let me just give a quick shout out. I recorded yesterday the Portugal corner. It just came out prior to this podcast. So once you're done listening to us, go have a go have a listen to the Portugal corner. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and Richard, man, to ask the same question. How are you doing today? How dare you? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm all right. I'm doing better today than I was on Sunday. I was driving three hours after watching my hockey team lose on Sunday. I had to listen to the game with Relatu. And for the folks at home, if you want to know how rough my, my arrival home was, I pull onto my street, Benfica scores. I walk into my door. I walk into the house. I'm in the house for two seconds. I hear my vavu. And my dad both cursing. I'm like, please don't tell me they scored again. And I, I walk downstairs to one. I'm like, fuck this. So a bit of a rough one, but I'm doing better today. Uh, and what will be probably a group therapy session session for some of us. Yeah, I was gonna say it sounds like you're the bad luck charm. So you put onto the drive, Benfica score. So basically, if you didn't, if you didn't go home. If I didn't go, if I stayed on the highway, because they were doing great until I basically pulled off the highway. That's what it was. If that, tra- if that traffic lasted a bit longer, exactly. If that, if that slowed out, if that slowdown in in Brock Vegas lasted a little bit longer, I could have, you know, would have been okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, of course, we have got a special guest. I'll start off with uh, Sergio. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing fantastic, actually. Thank you for asking. <laughs> I have never been better. Especially considering I, I wasn't even expecting to feel this well after watching 92 minutes of garbage. <laughs> so, so thank you for asking. I, I'm feeling great. <laughs> I, I wonder why. I wonder yeah, why. Not why. <laughs> but really, yeah, you've never, you've never felt kidding. better? <laughs> I've, well, I mean, after winning the title last year, of course. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that, that was an interesting feeling. I mean, you don't, it's not often that you come back and score two goals in two minutes at the end of the game that's typically reserved for for uh, teams with horseshoes up their ass like <laughs> Porto. but uh you know i felt good i felt good after that game but you know we'll probably talk about a little bit today in this podcast we were a little lucky let's just be honest let's you'll know after this after this podcast i'm a more little i'm more of an even team baby i'm a little bit more of a realist so um you know, I could, you know, I think a lot of people understand that if you're watching football, you understand what happened on Sunday. And, you know, a lot of people put up rose colored glasses and they go red colored glasses and think, oh, everything's fantastic. No, there's a lot of shit that needs to happen with they think of which we can dive in a little bit. Later. So, yeah, most definitely. And last but not least, we got one of the OGs of the podcasting game, the one that introduced me to 
podcast in general, to be fair. It's, it's Peter. How are you doing today, man? Hey, thanks for having me, Sam, Danny, Richard, Christian. Yeah, I'll, um, you know, had a bad string of luck in the final 10 minutes or so of last game. Uh, but I'm doing good. Uh, I mean, I can't complain, obviously. Uh, I had to switch over back to my PC because my phone just wasn't handling uh, so much information at the same time. So um, I had a little bit of issue to start this, but um, I'm good and ready to go. From 200 and something episodes, we know StreamYard can be it can be difficult at times. So it's, it's definitely <laughs> nothing you've done. So don't worry. But yeah, uh, and also just before we move on, uh, we've managed to hit uh, 10,000 followers on Twitter slash X. Uh, if you want to try to make it 20,000, make sure you follow us there in the bottom <laughs> left as well. Yeah, optimism and always in a, on a, in a dark time. Let's be optimistic about other We're things. Sporty fans, so, all we have left is our optimism. <laughs> all we have left is our Twitter followers, man. So you better so, do optimism, optimism, and optimism and futsal. Optimism and futsal, yeah. right? So you always have futsal. True. true. That is very true. Uh, but yeah, without further ado, we'll go to uh, obviously the game we're all here for, the most important one of the weekend. And that was Sporting 2, uh, Corvillia 2, uh, Sporting B, should I say. You know. There we go. I was I, I was ready for something like this. I'm not going to lie. I was waiting. <laughs> the most important game, definitely. You know what I mean? I thought it was this yeah. one as well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Can I start with this game? I thought uh, Sparta played really well. <laughs> go on. Who's your, who's your man of the match, Danny? Go on. Uh, anyways. <laughs> but no, I how, do you, how do you tie or keep a bit? Or sorry, how did you keep a big... Higher keep a sit. Like, how does that work? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just, just sporting all over, I suppose. But, yeah, uh, it was a 2 1 loss, or in Sergio and Peter's case, a 2 1 win for, for Benfica at least. And the Lions were as followed uh, Dan in goal, Ignacio getting sent off, Coates, Diamonde, Esguy, and Mateus Race, Morita, Hilmund, Edwards, Pedro Gonzalez, and Yoques. For Benfica, Trubin, Morato, Otamendi, Antonio Silva. Ozones, Jao Mario, Jao Neves, Florentino, Di Maria, Rafa, and Musa. Uh, Peter, I'll start with you since you're, you're the guest. I'll let you go first. Okay. What were your overall thoughts on a Benfica perspective, on a sporting perspective, and most importantly, the refereeing perspective of the game? Okay. Uh, well, I texted you some of my thoughts so I could uh, write a couple of notes down when before they started. Uh, I was surprised uh, by the first 25 minutes or so uh, because I thought that Sporting basically didn't exist for, for those first 25 minutes. Uh, we created two clear chances, uh, the half a miss uh, of the, the Musa assist, then the crossbar shot, and then also that half cross, half shot by João Mario uh, in the 23rd minute. Uh, afterwards, though, uh, as soon as I'm starting to text you, it feels like the game completely changes and, and Sporting finally seems to understand what Benfica is doing well and they're able to counter that. Uh, you guys get a couple of big uh, chances. Um, my uh, my chance of the game, at least, yeah, in my opinion, uh, Pot being denied by Trubin one-on-one, that to me is uh, one of the plays of the game, if not the play of the game. Um, after after that chance, though, uh, it kind of evens out a little bit. No team really ga- gains any kind of control, and then Romari decides to be a complete dumbass as he's been the entire game, and he <laughs> he loses the ball, and uh, Giorgio has a has a good 
a good goal. I mean, I can't really say much about it. Uh, I thought that at halftime, um, I was happy with how Morato was playing at left back, but I was a little bit worried because he drifted back inside quite often, back to his sort of left center back position. Um, so that was worrying. And uh, the midfield at times looks like they have left a lot of open holes. Uh, and I also didn't feel like Benfica had the need to do as many long balls as they did. They just kept putting the ball forward for no apparent reason because Sporting was was pressing high, but they were pressing the center backs. The midfielders had freedom to play, so I didn't really understand that. Um, I also uh, remember texting you that uh, João Mario and Di Maria were being completely useless, but I also do remember saying that Di Maria can, can still spark magic at any moment, and of course he was he was very important uh, after. Um, in terms of uh, of the second half, I mean it's a completely different game because of uh, uh, you know, of Inácio being sent off. I think that's the correct call. Um, I I also don't understand how he lets the play go on, by the way, because that's simply not a rule. If it's a second yellow, he has to call the foul and send him off. No, I, I think I think it is. You can you can play an advantage on a yellow on a second yellow, on especially second if, it, if, if if it's a goal scoring opportunity, which it was. Yeah, you can. Uh, okay. okay, it's a little bit debatable, but I, I only, only say that because I said the same I, as you and my dad. I feel like it's one of that. It's like a handshake agreement. Yeah, it's not. It's it's not technically. <laughs> it's not like in game. the rule yeah. book, but it's but like it, unofficially in the rule book. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, nobody really complained about it, so I guess you know we shouldn't either. So if the players didn't feel like it was unfair, then I guess we we, we shouldn't either. Uh, afterwards, uh, nothing happened. Um, it took it took until the 61st minute for us to have a shot, and uh, it was Jean Mario having a, a great uh, shot on goal that Adan made a really really nice save. Um, and uh, and at that point, I felt like we should have served off Morato for Eurasec. I know that uh, uh, so a lot of Benfica fans don't like Eurasec. I'm not so much of a hater, honestly, because going back to the Boa Vista game that I went to see live, I think that when you see certain games live, you get certain perspective of players that you don't really get through the TV. Uh, so I felt like he could have been very important because Benfica pretty much ignored the left wing or our left wing, your right wing, the entire game, and we created no pressure from it. Um, sporting was somewhat dangerous at times, but not enough to, to trouble to trouble Benfica, which is why I was surprised that Eurasec didn't come in. Um, I remember also texting you that I felt that our subs were very, very poor, uh, mostly because I didn't think that Musa for Cabral was really going to change things, and it really didn't. And I also didn't like subbing off Florentino uh, for Casper because I, I just don't like subbing off Florentino when you have Jomar that wasn't doing anything on the field. Um, and uh, to be honest with you, uh, when uh, when Elder Conduto says that Benfica is trying to salvage, uh, not uh, losing points uh, in back-to-back -back weeks at home, that was like in the 90th minute. I was thinking that's just a complete pipe dream, uh, and uh, and we. Two lucky plays, we were, we were able to 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 get goals. I mean, uh, we overall in the second half, I counted two opportunities against uh, ten men. It was that shot by João Mario and that Di Maria shot that was saved by Adan, and then 
uh, hit the crossbar. That is just simply not enough when, when you're playing with an extra man. And it just showed Benfica's deficiencies in being able to create opportunities. And also uh, Schmidt's inability to uh, sub off certain players like uh, how João Mario lasts 87 minutes in the game. And as soon as Getz comes in, uh, you see this guy, you starting to have some issues containing him. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, the, it's it's clear that that, that guy he was one of the worst defenders on Sporting, and we didn't take advantage of that. Um, from the not, sporting just, not just Sporting, brother. <laughs> In, like, Portugal right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> um, from the Sporting perspective, I think you guys... Uh, uh, should be feel should feel harshly done by uh, in terms of the game because uh, we uh, uh, while in the first half I believe that Sporting shouldn't be ahead I actually think that we had more chances than Sporting did although if I look at Sofa's score which is what I usually tend to check uh, they actually give uh, Sporting um, a higher expected goals and also one clear cut opportunity which I would assume is that pot one I, I felt that at least going tied into into halftime would make sense and then the second half is just nothing 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 pretty much happened except for those last six minutes where everything well not even the six minutes it was four minutes and change of uh that that changed the game um you asked me to, to speak about the the refereeing as well right sam okay yeah. so um in terms of the, the of the refereeing i i felt like um uh, Artur Suárez actually, for once, apparently, seemingly, didn't want to be the protagonist of the of the game. Uh, I felt that he let play go on, maybe a few times when he shouldn't, but I never felt harshly done by at any point. And, and I was actually not looking to to bring up the refereeing at all. I was I was starting to think what I was going to say when I that, came. That's on one the of podcast. our favorite topics, I'm afraid. So you know, that, <laughs> no, that's no. Like going to... <laughs> no, yeah, no, don't worry, don't worry. It's just that when I was thinking about what I was going to say on the podcast, well, this was when we were losing. I wasn't going to talk about uh, the the Musa play uh, or uh, the clear, in my opinion, at least clear penalty on, on Morita, uh, well, on, you know, on Otamendi by Morita, uh, because I didn't feel like any of those plays really would have changed anything in the game because we we didn't we weren't deserving of anything so i wasn't even looking to bring up the refereeing but overall i felt like he was okay i feel like there were a couple of yellow cards here and there that maybe should have been shown for either team a couple of fouls here and there but i don't think that he impacted the game at all and if he did he would actually be uh, at least in my point of view especially that that penalty uh, on on otamendi so i can't really complain about it and i'm going to be honest with you i was not going to complain about it if we had lost either so i'm just being as unbiased as i can in uh with this performance i felt that for once he was actually trying to call an actual game instead of making it about him yeah and if uh, if you would just give uh pretty much a match rating for otsworth's dears what would you give him out of 10 I guess I'd have to go. I mean, it depends on how much you weigh the the Morita situation. Uh, if if I if I don't count that, it would be eight out of ten. If he if you count that, it's got to go down to at least a seven because it's it's still a penalty. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. 
Uh, Danny, I'll go with you next to, to switch things up a bit. What were your overall thoughts on sporting perspective, Benfica perspective, and the refereeing as well? Um, man, I mean, it's it's not much different than what Peter was saying, to be quite honest. I thought, you know, the same. First opening minutes, first 20-ish, 15, 20, 25 minutes, uh, Benfica did have the better chances. They should have went one nothing up, to be quite honest. Um, but they didn't, you know. I mean, we should have scored goals too, and we didn't, right? That's just. I think it was the one right? flick from Joao Mario, and then it's like Florentino at the back post. Could have missed a header. That should it's have even, been a goal, bro. Yeah. Like one hundred percent, that should, should have be been in the net. That. It, it's yeah. almost harder that Florentino doesn't make contact than makes contact with that. Like it doesn't go over his head; it goes past it. He just missed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Juan Mati yeah. kind of fails to hit the target and, as well. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I'm not complaining. Don't get me wrong, but oh, Juan Mati. <laughs> but um, yeah, at least at least the only happiness I can get from this game, I mean, there's a few things, but the only happiness I can take at least from a two-one loss in the last two minutes is that Juan Mati dropped another stinker in a big game, and Benfica fans are start, starting to turn on him. So hey, <laughs> we're, we're here for it. We don't really care. Um, <laughs> But no, man. I mean, I mean, yeah. I thought, I thought, you know, after the, the the opening minutes, I thought Sparking was in total control of the not total control, but they had a better control of the game. They had better chances. We were the ones more threatening moving forward. Um, Marcus Edwards, he was getting beat up a bit. If I have anything to complain about in terms of the refereeing, I, I'm not even going to get it. I think the second yellow. The more I look at it, the more I see the contact. I think Rafa reacts way too quickly for there not to be contact for him to just feel something and try to flick his foot back. Um, we can get into the offside, I guess. That's the other tricky thing, I guess. But, um, I mean, we've seen these decisions called before, so I'm not even going to be that pressed on that. What I was going to say was I just find it funny that um, the only yellow card given for simulation this game was on Marcus Edwards when we seen one Marcus Edwards getting beat up in that first half, let's be real, and no calls were given. Um, and also in that first half, I seen Di Maria die and come back to life as if his name was Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, and also no yellow there. There was a time where the referee told a Befica player in the box, we're already down to 10 men at this point. Marcus Edwards already has the yellow for simulation. There's a Befica player that falls in the box and Arthur Suarez Diaz tells him, no, get up. Rafa. So I'm thinking, okay, Rafa, it, yeah. it was Rafa. Yeah. Uh, it could, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Could have been anybody. But you what I'm saying is, this is, the, this, is, this, is the, this is the duality of it. It's like Artur Suarez Diaz, you give a yellow to Marcus Edwards. I think it was a foul, but fine. It could have been a, a free kick outside the box. You also don't time. usually see fine. yellows for dives outside the box. I'll say that as well. Exactly. But whatever. Not to defend we got it, the yellow. but you just we got don't the yellow. see it. Yeah. Exactly. But I'm even saying, okay, we got the yellow for diving, we get the yellow for diving. How do you then, in turn, then tell the guy, no, get up? Sorry, sir. Is there a dive here or not? Then, like, what's going on? It's if it's not a dive, that's a foul. Then, you know what I mean? Like, what, what's what's you know? So that, a that's bit the of thing a about Artisoris Diaz because they say he has got a bit of an ego complex. I think we saw it there because it was just like yeah. he was so quick to not dish out the other cuffs. I'm not saying that like, he was quick to dish them out, but it was like just the way he waited and was like just the way he was standing it was just so much arrogance about it but i just don't like, like his face He's i wasn't trying i was trying to not inter not interrupt danny but you said exactly what i was thinking sam uh, i think that the reason why 
uh, Edwards gets a yellow card is because Swarzy is wants to be that dude, and he's like a meter Fast. away from Edwards. If you and he's like, okay, dude, I'm just going to impose myself, and I'm just going to give you a yellow card because I feel like it. it, it and it's and in my opinion, it's not a foul, but I totally see like how you guys can see that uh, to be a yellow. Yeah, it's harsh, but I think it was just Swarzy is you know trying to impose himself like. If, if it's not if it's not a foul, there is a, at least a little bit of contact made. So you can't say it's an out and out simulation because that would be yeah. no no contact made. So that that's what got me. Yeah. But yeah, carry on. But but yes, you're right. And it's also he is the main character because he was just like if you if you remember that play for some reason it's imprinted in my brain. He's like pausing. He's talking to a Benfica player with the yellow in his hand, and you see like the Benfica player is kind of I think it was Altamendi. He's like yeah, kind of like pleading his case like no, this isn't a foul. And then he just instantly turns around and gives the yellow to Marcus. And it's like, is this is a drama school, brother. Like, come on. Just give, just give Ad the card. Ademendi actually right? thought it was going to be for him, right? So exactly. Ademendi's exactly. already pleading. Like, well, you know, why are you giving me a card? Like, I didn't do anything. And then he's like, what the fuck? Really? Yeah, <laughs> it's going like, the other you way. Know what? Let's make this interesting. And then he, you know, but I also. Uh, that's one thing I hate about Portuguese. Sorry to cut you off. That's one thing I yeah, hate yeah. about Portuguese. That's like, just do you call your shit, give the card, be on your way. Like, none of this theatrical shit. Ah, that's so referees bad. everywhere. England is like that too. But... England's getting bad for it too. Yeah. I know this. But I mean, anyways, in terms of Artur Suarez, the only other thing I'll mention is I don't I'll, I don't trust referees where I can see their tattoos. Not serious, bro. <laughs> Leave the tattoos to the players. On serious. <laughs> um, I actually no. noticed that he had tattoos on the back of his arm in this game as exactly. well. Yeah. And Maybe he had he like really his t-shirts up to his shoulder and shit. I don't trust that guy. Maybe he doesn't wear short sleeves. Maybe he normally wears short sleeves. I, feel like I think we might be onto something. We might be a part of a secret society of something. There. If you're tired, if you're tired, you're automatically disqualified for being ref. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, but no. Other than that, bro. Let me also just say, in terms of the refereeing decisions, I'm not too pressed about them, to be quite honest, um, because at the end of the day. It is you're you are playing away, so you are playing at, at Befica has the home court advantage. It's called the home court advantage uh, for a reason, right? You have the fans pressuring him. You have everything on top of it. So, I mean, in an ideal world, obviously, you know these things don't come into consideration, but they do. It happens when Befica comes to us, and hopefully, when Befica come to us, we can get a little a little penalty. That's not a penalty. I mean, well, I yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding. But. Um, other than that, I thought we still played well, even with 10. I didn't think, you know, up until the last two, three minutes, I mean, where uh, we mentioned it in the chat, and I also mentioned it in Portugal Corner yesterday. The thing that pisses me off about the 1-1 especially is Nunu Suns just ball watching as the ball oh, coming into the so box. Oh, he was so lazy. I don't – And I – Yeah, I don't talk about Nuno Suns. He's fucking pissed me off when I saw that. But, but I understand that, okay, it's 10 against 12 – technically in the box because Turbin's in the box at this point. So I understand even, you know, mathematically, it's hard to grab every single guy. But the fact that he's like, kind of like, I guess, defending the zone. And then as it's coming over him, he's not really like running at the ball or running towards the player or something. Um, it's a bit disappointing, you know, it just perfectly falls to, to João Neves, who, by the way, played an amazing game. I, the biggest compliment I can give this kid is that he was annoying. You know, like he was annoying to watch. He was annoying to deal with. And I mean that like in the best way possible as a rival fan, you know? Um, so yeah, shout out to, to play against, but you would, you love on your team in that sense. Yeah. And, and also like, you know, want to see where the kid goes. Cause 
I also love a short king. And and my, my man is the definition of a short king. He's a pit bull in that field. So respect to him. I, I, I do like the kid. And uh, it, I'll be interested to see how his career projects because um, – it's just you know, a lot of a lot of leagues, a lot of teams won't take the 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 risk on a short king like him. Um, but nonetheless, you know, it sucks. But at the same time, I mean, the performance wasn't too bad. Where I think we can hang our heads on, or ha- like you know, be super sorrow about. Christian mentioned earlier, like international breaks probably at the right time. I don't know because now it's either one of two things: you're either sulking for the next two weeks because not a lot of them are going to international break. Or you are rejuvenated, you come back stronger than ever. We'll see, right? The same thing with And, and we have got the tussle when we come back as well. So we could probably see yeah. even more rest for some of the starters, at least, especially because your crazy is going to international team. I don't know about Morita yet. Morita but he was called, called up, but I don't Kuhlman's know if going... he's preferred to go. Kuhlman but yeah, not a lot else. Actually, oh, Kuhlman is, is staying. Nice. Inasio got good picture. And I think Diamond yeah. did as well. Yes, yeah, but he's got you, Afghan I mean, prep coming up. Well, yeah, Inasio could play because yeah. he's not playing against in the Tuscan. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, but like I was saying, like even for a Benfica uh perspective, I mean they were coming down, they were coming off of like some hard results. And I feel like even I mean, you guys, Peter Sergio, you guys can speak to it more. Even now it might be coming into like the wrong time because now you might want that momentum to have onto the next game, whereas now it goes stale. And if you guys remember last year, you guys would go to international break on like the highest of highs and come back and fuck off. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm kind of hoping for the same thing. I'm not going to lie to you guys, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean? So like, even it's like the, the Jekyll and Hyde there, like where, you know, this international break kind of sucks for both of us in this point, but yeah, at the end of the day, nothing would have been won had we won this game. Six points clear would have been amazing. I, I do. Would have been, I would I have been want to cut you, you guys right now. Hold on really quick. Yeah. yeah I would have been reaming you guys. Had we been six points clear? Um, but we're still tied in first. We're still there. Nothing was. Nothing would have been won. Nothing's lost. Well, right I mean, now. We I mean, technically we're, we're second, but I, yeah, I, but I, we're I first. Remember. But we're first. <laughs> we're second, but we're first. You know what I mean? So, really? Yeah. Is that how? Is that how it works? I don't know. Yeah, it's how it works. It's how it's how it works in the the mind of Danielle Murashaldanga at least. God, what a window um, in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like I said, nothing. But nothing's lost, though. Is what I mean. You know what I mean? We're still there. The, the title race is m- more on than what it would have been, but it would have been on regardless because the next run of games was Gil Vicente, Guimarães, and Porto nonetheless, yeah. and we could have easily slipped up six points there. We can easily make up ground here as well. So Not we'll to mention see. Atlanta in the Europa League in between those as well. Yeah, so, but no. cares, uh, at this point, who cares about that? Give me... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, you don't know Europa League blasphemy rather, and slander. I, I would never disrespect the Europa League, but I would rather the league. Next, he's going to oh, who uh, can like, see, the league. Like, come on, man. I spoke, like, I spoke my shit last week. If you have to give me only one, I'm taking Europa League. Yeah, fine, but uh, I'd rather the league. No, I, I get the sentiment. Don't worry. You're good. <laughs> Uh, before I go on to Sergio, I'll have one more sporting opinion. Richard, uh, I'll go with you. What were your overall thoughts on this game? Uh, I'm not going to add too much. I thought uh, Peter and Danny really summed it up really well. Two things. I do think that Benfica really did need a win to win this game. Not just because it's a derby, but because they were coming off of kind of a tough, a really rough Champions League week. And if they had gone six points behind, not saying the title race is over, obviously, because like it's a long season and you know, sporting does lovely sporting things towards the end of season sometimes. Um, but I, it would have really put a lot of pressure on to the club and pr- 
probably the coach, especially if they had gotten blown out or if they had lost a man down at home uh, or a man up at home. Uh, second thought, I wanted to piggyback off of Danny. I actually, I actually found a Nevs that I don't mind sharing a surname with. Finally, fuck Ruben Nevs. Well, Nevs, I'm okay sharing a last name with. He's he's a fun player to watch. He getting to watch the highlights and stuff, and obviously have to watch the game. So I'm not gonna add too much here. Um, just so impressive how he plays ball. Yeah, Danny's right. He's annoying because he's just he's all over the place in a good way. He's in good position for the gold. Nuno Sanchez is a fucking moron. Uh, I just want to. Claim, uh, claim that I'm glad his bald spots showing even more now. It's starting to fade. Uh, is that due to the game, or you just you just want to get something off your chest? I just want. I, that was both. That was both. That was both. <laughs> okay. That was both. He's an idiot. I know. I understand. Like Danny was spot on. It is ten against twelve because Thruben comes up. By the way, Thruben had a really good game. I thought he made some really good saves. Um, but you just you have to be a bit smarter. You have to know, like, okay, there. I can't. I can. I can only mark one or two guys here. Like. Just do better. I think it's just it's sloppy. It's almost lazy, uh, which is like unforgivable in my opinion. Uh, it's just brutal. I thought Adad actually played very well, kept us kind of level level headed for a while. Um, if I had to give a man of the match, it would have actually gone to Tubin or Joao Neves. If I was giving it for the match as a whole, I thought Tubin played really well, especially the Pedro Gonzalez chance because yeah, if Pot scores that, the game's probably done. Um, so good on him. Uh, Di Maria, yeah, came back from the dead. I didn't like that simulation nonsense. I thought it should have been a yellow card for Sim, but whatever. I I kind of also agree with Danny. I don't think the Inacio foul... Let me put this better. I think Inacio... The more I look at it, the more I do think it is a bit of a foul after seeing it a hundred times. So I can kind of see it. That being said, on first glance, it doesn't look bad. But once you kind of see it enough times, you're like, yeah, maybe. Uh, not much else to add. I just it, it was more of a gut. It's more of a gut punch loss for how it goes. A lot like I've we've I've seen us lose a hundred times, Benfica. It's just this one's a gut punch just to, for how it goes. Right when you just concede two at the end, it was almost like a bit of a collapse. I don't want to comment too much on the refing. I hate commenting on the refing. I'm sick of commenting on Portuguese refs. It drives me nuts. I do think Artur Suarez Diaz suffers from main character syndrome. Um, he was all over the place. I was saying before the show, Portuguese refs, and I find Artur Suarez Diaz is the guiltiest of this. Early on in games, they will either start calling everything to set the tone, and then they will start calling nothing as the game goes on. Artur Suarez Diaz, I thought, was kind of the opposite. He kind of let them play for a bit in the first half, didn't call a whole heck of a lot and then all of a sudden as the game went on it felt like he was just calling more and more and more and more egregious just random stuff and that's why he's like just call it one way and i just i don't like how he carries himself on the field he just he i think it was peter or danny said he just he he carries himself very arrogantly on the field that shows and i don't like that like you're a ref get over it you're not you're not i'm not here to watch you no one paid to go see our the art Swaj ds show they they paid to go watch Sporting and Benfica, so that's that's my overall thoughts. I was already I was already like I'm in a mood because I'm like oh, my team lost the night before. I'd driven three hours and I coming home to this. I was like oh, that's bullshit. Rough weekend. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, uh, Sergio. I'll come to you next uh, as a Benfica fan. What were your overall thoughts on on this game? Uh, just one thing that Richard said. I, the one thing going for you. I know it's a gut wrenching or it's a 
punch in the stomach. But the one thing that is going for you is the fact there is an international break. I think that's going to break that up. I think people, I don't think you're going to forget about it, but I think at least it breaks it up. There's a little bit of separation in time, and then you're going to just get back at it. One thing that's always missing with with teams early on in the season is consistency against smaller teams. you got to win those points, and Sporting this year has been the most consistent team of the of the championship winning points uh, outside the big three. You know, so you got to do that. That's what Benfica did last year, and that's how they ended up winning the titles. They never dropped points against a smaller team. So Sporting, to me, is still the favorite uh, going into this second half of the season. Of, well, you know, not second half, yeah, but uh, still going in. They're still the favorite because they've been the most consistent team. Benfica is not consistent. This is, was a lucky win. We shouldn't feel, uh, fool ourselves. Like Peter summarized the whole game pretty well, right? The only thing I would add is what hasn't been touched on is that foul. I think it was in the eighth minute. Diamond stepped on. Um, who was it? Musa. Yeah, it was Musa. And Musa is an idiot, and he's too honest. Because if that was Otavio, or if that was Rafa, he would have been on the ground. I'm if, hey, I got a fucking bullet in the chest. Oh, my God. They would have been down. They would have stopped play, gone to VAR, and chances are that would have been a penalty. Because if you go, there's uh, some people usually post what all the you know protagonists or all the reporters rate after the game. I think seven of the ten for all the newspapers and the, the radio stations gave it as a, as a penalty. And I think in this world, in the world of VAR, that probably would have been a penalty because, you know, you can see that it, it, he stomped on his foot. But Musa, being too honest of a guy, kept on playing. He didn't roll around. He didn't fall. He didn't do a theatrical thing. So. He's not ingrained to the two gal yet. Uh, yes, he, ha- he hasn't adapted. He's got to watch his, me- he's gotta watch so his that- Mediterranean tapes. So they could have easily gone on a penalty in, in, in that context because of the, you know, the way things are going these days with VAR, right? But so that was that was one thing, and I thought too. They, I, I agree with you, what you guys were saying about Marcus. I were getting it yellow, and yet there was a lot of simulation on our end that kind of went unpunished. I think the Angel de Maria, okay, yes, he definitely dropped on the floor, was dead, and then he goes like an angel again, and it was back at it. Rafa in the box should have been carded as a yellow because he was looking for the penalty. That should have been a, a yellow in the second. So, I mean, those two. Things alone, I would doubt to me kind of – I don't think they would have influenced the result of the game because um, the way Basic approached the game again, like when I – so Basic was playing at home and the first 23 minutes, great. And then we after that chance, the Juan Mario chip cross, whatever it was, to Florentino. After that, the 23rd minute, we just fell back and Sporting just kind of came, came on. And then – we, you guys haven't talked about it yet, but Dorcas's goal, fucking fantastic. What a strike. Like, I originally thought, well, proven could have done better, is it, you know, getting a hand on it. But no, that thing was a bullet. There's no, there's nothing you could have done to stop that. That was quite Benkukavi, too. That thing went fucking in, and it was a gorgeous goal. Well and and uh yeah. and Edwards's sorry Serge and Edwards's run just to give him the assist after two. Yeah. Oh my god, so, amazing. So Murata was left with this fucking quackage in his hand. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can you can tell Murata was was not playing in his position. He got yeah. he got he got caught by Marcus Edwards. Great run to Victor and Victor slots it in. Oh my god, what a it was a fantastic play. And at that moment I'm like, holy shit. 
all these adaptations that we're doing right now by putting Muratu on the left, Arsenal's on the right, it's going to come back. To, it's going to kill us this game. It's finally going to unravel for Roger Smith. Like, you know, I think it was Richard who said, yeah, we came into this game. This was a must-win game for Roger Schmidt because there was pressure after the Champions League debacle, right? Um, if we lose at home to Sporting, that would have been six points down, especially after the 50th minute when we were down, we were up a man. You know, the pressure was on Roger Schmidt, right? And then what does he do? He responds by putting on Cabral and Tejda. He just throws two of them sides up front and said, go for it. Did that change the game? Not really. We were still asleep. For the majority of the game until the 90th minute. Yes, there was a chance by João Mario, and yes, there was that other chance that Dan had made a great save on Di Maria from a striker from out, out, uh, outside the box. But other than the best save of the season, it was a great, great save. Great save. It's, like, it's that would have been a classic goal. <laughs> Absolutely. Like. But what burned you guys at the end is you got caught sleeping because João, we don't score goals off of corners, guys. We do not. Ask everybody if he keeps them. The one thing we hate is these fucking short corners. So I was surprised they didn't do a short corner. So they, he, Angel Lamidia crosses into the box, somehow lands to Jean Nebs, and 94th minute, he scores. Once again, just like last year, 94th minute. You know? um, and then we just, I think at the end, that was a fluke goal. I mean, we were lucky because if Rafa had touched it, there would have been a lot more controversial because it was only four centimeters. We were lucky he missed that. And it went to Casper and he slotted it in. But holy shit, what a way to end it. And But I, like I said, like there, I don't leave this game confident in our ability to um, be, be campioners this year. I don't. Unless there are changes made in January. I mean, we still – we have – I think Ferenc coming up. I think – I forget who the other one is. And then, of course, Braga away. You know, you guys have to play Porto, but there's a chance that we could we could fall back into second place by the time Christmas rolls. Right? But I think there's only three games left in the Liga until the Christmas break. So, I don't. I, as a Benfica fan, you don't feel confident going into this game because a the formations are all over the place, right? Um, there, you, you know, up until this match, he was playing João Neves on the on the wing for whatever fucking reason, right? With the three center backs that played. That, we, we paid dearly on Wednesday against Real Sociedad, okay? The substitutions have not been – Roger Schmidt's substitute have not been up to par. I mean, this thing about bringing Gonzalo Gedge on in the 87th minute, what the fuck? Why the 87th minute? What the fuck has John Mario – or I think it was the 86th. What the fuck has John Mario been doing this whole game? And I think when once Gonzalo Gedge came on, he, he, gave, he gave them a little bit more of a spark, and you saw the team starting to respond. And, and I've said it before on Twitter, I would I wish Gonzalo Gedge he would get more time on the field, not as a false time, but in his natural position for me, right? I would rather see him than Joel Mario. A lot of Benfica fans are feeling burned by Joel Mario. He's not consistent anymore. He's done. He's done. In our in our mind, this is probably his last season. He's done after this, right? But there's a lot of there's a lot of work to be done with this team. And maybe we'll we will probably benefit from being out of Europe because Chancellor might be out of Europe. By the time uh, Christmas rolls around, um, so maybe we'll benefit from that. But there's a lot of work that has to be done with this team, and um, I still feel Sporting is probably the favorites going in because they're the most consistent team. And Ruben Amring has this team playing his system, and his system works. They were buying into the, his system. You guys only lost because because of, of luck, bad luck. That's it. That's all you did. 
You did better playing in, in Befica's home than Befica did last year at the Alvalade at the end of the season, right? You had no fear going into the luge. Up to the 23rd minute, you guys took over right up to halftime. If it wasn't for Gonzalo Navasu getting sent off, who knows 2-0, 3-0 again. And that would have fucking killed us. Killed us in probably the season, being six, six points down. But because of a couple fluky plays, we're back at it. And that's football for you. You know, and then in terms of, so, I mean, in terms of the referee, like I said, didn't I don't think it really influenced the 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 score the the game, at least the score. I think the, the offside the, like the last goal was onside, and I think Gonzalo Nasu um, should have been sent off. I was kind of in the same position as I was kind of wondering whether or not it was even a yellow, and if it was a simulation by Rafa. And I was I was in this position a couple of weeks ago with with the Fabio Cardozo uh, foul. Um, during the Classico at the Luge, where he got sent off. And I was probably the only baby teacher out there saying, that was not a red, that was not a red, that was not a red. But after the more I watched it, the more I kind of understood the rules. I was like, okay, now I understand why it's red. Same thing with this, Inasu. At first, I thought, I don't even think that's a yellow. I think you just kind of simulate. Rafa simulate, just drop to the ground. But you really need to slow it down. You kind of you see the, the, the leg clipped out. But you know how Portuguese players are. They're play actors. I think of this. I'm fucking. I got shot. I'm gonna roll around, roll around five million times, and maybe he'll stop the play, and I'll get a free kick over here, all the time. Right? So that's what usually happens. That's what Musa needs to learn. Just drop on the ground and fucking do an autopsy and just pretend you've been shot, right? So He's gotta watch his many Emmy takes, man. I'm telling you, <laughs> for real. So that's kind of where I see that. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, before I go on to Chris, uh, Peter, did you have a, a question that you wanted to ask? Or... Maybe not. Pete, Peter, can you hear me? Are you there? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you can hear me well. Yeah, uh, we can. Hopefully you can because I'm I'm having I'm having some issues listening uh, to you guys, but hopefully you can hear me. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, w- I, w- I wanted to ask you guys because nobody... Uh, said anything, and I'm a little surprised uh, to uh, all you Sportingistas. What do you think of uh, um, Paulinho coming in to the midfield? Oh, God, I forgot about that. Do you know what the funniest thing is? Is when he comes on and Hulman is like, Oh, you'll play with me as a joke, and then Paulinho is like, Yeah, yeah, it's like, Okay. <laughs> But uh, I, I I didn't understand it at the time. The more I look back on it, it's like, okay, you wanted someone to stop the crosses. You want someone good in the air. And it made sense because Polino is good in the air. But at the same time, it's like, would you not bring on another defender? We had Neto You're on the bench. You're automatically giving up your midfield. Exactly. Like we had Neto more. on the bench. We have Asugo a on the bench. Maybe not as good in the air, but probably stronger and would probably be, be maybe better to have. But for me, it was just like, I, I didn't understand it at the time. I, st- I don't know. I'm sort of. I understand it, but I don't like it. I feel like that's yeah, the best same. way to describe yeah. it. And I, I, mean, I feel like it's a sub that you're putting up. You're giving up your midfield even more as a man down. It's just. I understand maybe knowing that they're probably going to play Cruza ball. You which they were. Have, which they were. But I feel like you have to look at the bigger picture and saying you're giving up your entire midfield at any chance to even stop an attack before it really happens. Mm-hmm. Which is why I'm thinking, why would you not put another natural center back like Neto or somebody else uh, in that position? Um, 
I see why he did it. I just feel like that was a rare blunder from Amorim where he he didn't look at the bigger picture of things, and it, I think it cost them a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Uh, sorry, good gone, Danny. No, no, nothing, nothing, nothing. Okay, just hitting the head. Cool, uh, Chris. What were your overall thoughts on the game? Yeah, I guess you know. Ultimately, I think that the two probably biggest moments, you know, are probably the Anasu moment, right? Because that the second yellow, because that that sets the tone for basically the entire second half. It, It puts Sporting on the defensive. It puts Benfica, you know, in control of the game. Um. And it's it's tough, right? Because as Sergio said, you know, like it's like you. I've watched the replay so many freaking times, you know. And so sometimes you watch it so many times, you start to see things. Um, <laughs> you're like, oh wait, did he actually did he because because there's one angle where actually looks like he kicks his own leg. You're like, oh wait, did he kick his own leg? But it's it's probably after the uh, the contact, right? It's just you literally you can't tell. You can't. You you basically you almost can't tell. Like you, he 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 may he maybe clips him. He probably clips him. He possibly clips him. But we'll never, we'll never know for sure. Um, it's not reviewable, and even if it was reviewable, it's not like it would have been overturned, right? Um, there's, there's nothing, there's really nothing to see here. Um, and then, and then four centimeters, right? Um, where we're just kind of, you know, the, we, we we talked about the lines, like where they drew the lines from. You know, I'm trying to think of what what the other game was. I think it was the, our game against Casapia, uh, the seven centimeters, right? I mean, these lines, they've, it, it, it's, it's tough and it's inconsistent, you know, like, like much, sometimes it, it works out for you. Sometimes it doesn't in this situation, it didn't work out for us. But again, you can look at that screenshot of the, of the ball getting crossed in as much as you want. And you're, you're really not going to, you're not going to see anything. It's just, it's, it's almost too tough to tell. Right. Um, you're like, is the line drawn from the right spot? Is it Rafa? Is it Casper? If Rafa scores it, is it different? Um, is Casper behind him? Are they saying that they're equal, equally on the same line? You know, there's a million questions, but I mean, ultimately, like, there's no, there's no answer. Um, as far as like the decision itself, like, I'm a big believer in like. And, and honestly, like this is how I've always thought that the that the VAR operated was that you know the call on the field has to stand unless we have clear and obvious you know evidence to overturn it. I the call on the field was offside. Is this clear evidence overturning that decision? For me, no. it's not. Mm. But I will say they default to offside all the time because that's the rule, right? Like they yeah. have they have to. So it's, it's not like football where. They're, they've got more leeway to say what what or baseball, I should say, what yeah. what they actually think. I think they just put up the the, the flag just to be safe in football these days because they yeah. just rely it's on. And after the play, now well, they'll never put it, it up it, mid play. It gives them a reason to say we got to look back, look at it anyways. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what it is. so they put it up just so like he, you know he wants to question it, and so he puts up his flag. I think they do that more often now in football, just to go to VAR than actually rule whether or not they actually think it's, it's outside or not right they don't they're not independent these referees are not independent thinkers anymore uh, that's, I, that's my critique on these guys they seem to just kind of you know let's just go to bar just let's fuck it i'm just gonna whistle it and just go to bar yeah. right they're just defaulting the bar these days that's that's kind of my i have a feeling that if this gets called offside uh or sorry if this doesn't get called offside it actually gets ruled off by offside 
I don't, don't ask me why. I don't know <laughs> why. It's just a gut feeling it was that offside. I have that that is that that they would rule it offside. Uh, in my opinion, I do think that he's onside. Clearly, I actually agree with Sam that the line isn't even well done because it's like halfway through Sanchez's foot or maybe his ankle, which is ridiculous. I think they should have an independent team just doing the lines instead of it being the referees. Like, how difficult would it be to just have somebody that actually understands that thing to just do the lines? And then the, the VAR can just say, hey, he's five centimeters offside. He's five centimeters onside. But I actually think that the rule will eventually change because I don't know if you guys saw the Darwin Nunez uh, play this weekend. Yeah. Like, how is he offside? Like, how does that half foot? make a difference like his toes are offside like especially when you start kind of drawing lines on the arms it's like is it here 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 you know it's just like it's just yeah it, it almost feels like you can manipulate the decision to get any outcome based yes. on where you choose to, to put the line you know even the frames i have and i'm surprised they haven't talked about this more often but in the past when VAR first was introduced, people were talking about using some kind of like leeway of like 20 centimeters or up to In MLS, they do. They do that. Yeah, they, they do, do that, that in MLS. Right? Yeah. Using like common sense. If it looks like he's onside, you don't even measure it. You don't question it. So it was under no 10. Way. That was like what the rumor right? or whatever is. Under yeah. 10, you don't touch it, you know. But And, and, I, and, not, I, and I'm not a video editor or a specialist in that field, but. Some people have said that the frames per second affects it or something like that. And so, so does the a, angle. Like, we're not looking right. 100% right now across straight the line. That's straight on. That's the problem. Yeah. Have that type of so it's almost like you need up. to have some kind of buffer or variance built in and say, okay, you know what? If it's within 10 centimeters, 20 centimeters, you don't even draw lines. Leave like, it. if it's by the eye and you see that they're somewhat onside, you just leave the original call as is and call it a day. So, because now you end up drawing lines and you know controversies and shit. I, I remember it was a couple of ga- a couple of years ago, a Benfica portal match, and it was two centimeters. It was fucking yeah, two nothing. centimeters. How do you how do you determine what two centimeters? like that that much? Like how do you even determine that from a, a from an angle from a camera so far off? Right? It just it doesn't make any sense. But I know that, that I think the the offline rule is going to eventually change where. They're not even going to look at that. Like a player will all be on side, even if they have their foot behind the. Like you can be fully a meter offside now, and as long as their foot is behind the the defender, it's going to be on side. So I think they're going to that, and they're testing that out now. And that, that itself general. will bring more. Yeah, and that will, itself will bring more controversy. There's no. There, there, there will never end controversy in football. You're always going to find a way. To make it controversial, we're just as it's long just, as there's humans involved, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly, absolutely. As the crazy Canadian, I just want to point out a few weeks ago, I said, let's just fucking get rid of offsides. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, just this way we don't. This <laughs> way we don't have to. Have that would piss me off even more, bro. <laughs> no, you know what? We're all grown ups. We're all grown ups playing this game. Benfica has eleven guys. The uh, sporting has eleven guys. Well, Genuinely, the amount of times that Paulinho is offside a game, that is the best rule for him. He <laughs> is the yeah. best guy. He, he's scoring at least fifty. He's scoring. You guys are resigning Freddy Montero as well. The, the, the king of chair picking, right there. He'll just hang out with the goal. You know what? It's we got eleven guys. You got eleven guys. We're all grown ups here. You don't want him cherry picking. Put a guy on him. 
Yeah, yeah no, that. but uh, uh, that, that, that's that's very difficult though to do no, something like that because it would just be because <laughs> it wouldn't. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, it changes uh, the strategy of the game. Well, pretty soon you're gonna ask for. You're pretty soon you American and Canadians gonna ask for bigger nets. And, no, 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 and no, no, no. Change the shootout rule. <laughs> go to ML. Yeah, you know, go to ML. The MLS rules. The MLS shutout was those rules. The penalty kick ones though were were nice. How they did that? Kind of like kind of like in hockey where a player would. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's more, That takes more skill as a play yeah. as the it shooter. does. Yeah, it is. It is more difficult. It's 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 fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also so do want to say, I just so, have one so, more yeah. thing to add, just on the, the politics of it all. Um, I actually was was waiting for there to be comments from our administration, both in regards to the incidents themselves um, and the security. Um, all the oh, fans on poor the field. Woman. Um, the poor, the poor woman, woman. No. the guy fl- doing the double bird at Adan, like in the field of play. Radio silence. Already. These guys only have something to say against Porto. I'm sorry. I have seen them come out with the Kamunikadu for infinitely less. Um, this, And I'm not even saying like, you know, when they come out with their bullshit Kamunikados, I'm like, hell yeah, brother, every time. No, I'm almost always like, yo, this Whatever. is so whack. <laughs> But the like kind of would kind of be worth worth it more than other times in the past, um, you know, if nothing else, just to kind of pick at your rivals and just kind of show that you're we're you're still here, you know, and nothing. And it kind of it kind of I mean, it didn't shock me, but at the same time, I was like, I know they don't usually say anything against Napika, but like they're gonna have to say something today, you know. It was too controversial. You know what's crazy about it as well? The, the red, they're going to um, say, and, and, you know, like th- there's plenty there for Kamunikabu, right? But nothing. Yeah. 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 Crazy. I, thought, I thought the way I that they treated least, that woman. I figured at least for the fight in the stand, that's unacceptable. That was stupid. That was, And they featured that woman a couple times on the yeah. podcast. Like she has the gray hair. She was sitting beside her. Like at the, the beginning, she was, you know, they were featuring her. She was happy. And then, I felt bad for her. They focused it on her at the end when they, they scored the second goal. And yeah. she's like in fucking tears. Yeah. I was like, oh shit, that's so dry. Cameraman <laughs> was all John. <laughs> oh man. But then I saw the video that they posted and her getting assaulted. Like, what the fuck is that all about? Like, that's you know, we, one. we harp about it. We're different. You know, we accept other people with, uh, you know, with, with a sporting scar for us. And, and to be fair, I'm sorry to interrupt, Sergio. I did see some posts of people in sporting fans saying, like, I was there and I had no issue, right? So, yeah, it was the woman who took the picture yeah. with the, the eagle yeah. mascot, and like, she was, a yeah, yeah, was that's one. the one. I felt so bad for her because it was just, yeah. I think, not to excuse it, I think a lot of there was the emotions were pumped up. I get that, but you do football matches should be safe spaces. I don't give a shit about this ultra bullshit. it is what it is, but football matches should be safe spaces for you for anybody to bring a family member. The only place I, that I would never it. feel safe going is the uh, Dragon. I don't think you can you can reasonably go there. And I'm I'm not this saying they're bad people or anything. I don't. I just I would don't I wouldn't feel safe going in a baby picture, or you guys probably in a sporting shirt to the Dragon. But I would feel safe going to. Well, yesterday they wouldn't feel safe in a Porto shirt either. So yeah, <laughs> well, yeah that's true. 
right? But I I would because I I've always said this about about Beefy Sporting Geeks. Like it's almost like they work with each other. They kind of know each other. They're you know they're internal rivals, but there's a mutual respect there. Whereas it's, it's a different attitude towards sporting and Porto fans or or Beefy and Porto fans because of the the regionality of it, right? So yeah. that's why there isn't that that kind of uh, camaraderie, I guess you can say. But I was I was shocked that that happened to that lady, and I I thought that's fucking bullshit. Because if that was my wife, or that was my sister, or that was my mother, I'd be knocking on somebody fans right now. Like, yeah. How fucking dare you? You know, we talk about all this shit. Oh, there was another video. Did you see the guys that were beside the Kaisha de Sugarasa? And they were they were celebrating, and the, the caption is and the guy's screaming, they scored the second goal, they're like, and they're turning around, they're showing all these sporting fans looking like like just dead. Jacked yeah. In, yeah. And there's this guy doing this, like yeah, like, like, you're saying yeah, and this guy's doing this at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what is going on here? Like, that's not nice. You guys are being assholes. Like these people yeah. just saw like two goals in two minutes. Like, fuck you, man. Like, I just, I don't know. There's some attitudes I just can't stand, and maybe because I'm used to being around Portishas and Sportishas, and there's more of a, I, there's a more of a tolerance. But I just, I don't like the ultra culture that way. I just, it's too much. And I just try and might keep away from that because it that's that's the stuff that ruins the game for everybody else and just ruins the experience. Because I want to feel comfortable bringing my son or my daughter to a football match, regardless of where it is. Maybe because we're we, we live in North America and we see that anyways in North America. Yeah, sport, I was like, can I right? piggyback back off that quick, Sergio? You know, like we were used to that. It's a different yeah. mentality in Europe. I get that, right? But like, I I would hope that. People start picking up on that more and be a little bit more respectful to people. But it's going to take a long time, especially in Portugal, to get to that. To that yeah, I want to piggyback off that because you're absolutely right. I went to see Boston, Montreal. And like, I was a Bruins fan in Montreal. And like, we're all just kind of sitting amongst you. And that's a big rivalry in hockey terms. And we were all just kind of sitting amongst each other, like people. I'm like, they scored. I fucking jumped up and cheered. Like, let's fucking go. And then they fucking won. And I'm like, well, this is bullshit, but whatever. And after the game, people were, were kind of razzed each other a bit, but nothing like no nobody threatened assault. Like we could sit amongst and be civil and not resort to tribalistic bullshit violence. Yeah, it's the and civility it's, that's say what you, say what you want about North American sports, but like at least we don't have that. Like that kind of stuff doesn't happen very often, except no. on a specific place, which I won't yeah. name. <laughs> I know everybody's thinking about it. We're all th- I think we're all thinking similar things, but. <laughs> no, but, uh, guys, if you if you allow me though to to, to also say something about this, I think this stems from a lot of things too. Uh, besides the whole cultural BS that everybody say, oh, it's a culture thing. Sure, for some reason it is, but when also the league. Um, allows clubs to say hey you can't bring a benfica jersey to this game you can't bring a sporting jersey to this game it also starts basically saying hey it's okay for you to trash somebody if they come to your stadium with a different jersey Mm -hmm. you know it's like you're allowing for that type of mentality to happen and and also we have cameras everywhere at least in the benfica the sporting the the porto stadiums or even the braga the guimarães you know the ones that were made for the euros and everything they should at least have that type of technology and people that start you know those kinds of fights 
they should be punished too. They shouldn't be allowed to be in stadiums because you guys know a lot of and bullies everywhere use there. football too. You what? know, and they're rarely and rarely are they punished though. Because oh, I can yeah. guarantee you those guys that they caught that threw all the torches on Wednesday. Well well, I said strip all those guys of their social cards. They should yeah. never step into the sun yeah. ever again. I guarantee you they will be back whenever they, they want to go back. Because there's no balls. People they don't have balls to go against certain ultras. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's fear. Maybe I don't know what it is. They in it and that's one thing I, I don't I don't like about European football or or certain clubs like our club or poor club, Porto's club. Like we don't we don't hold our fans accountable when we should. Like I I thought you were talking about statements. I thought the statement that came out on Wednesday, Benfica about the Tosha was pathetic. You know, lamentable. What you say? Honestly, just say, yeah. you know, but they didn't come out and say that. Oh, actions are lamentable. Oh, 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 poor you. Oh, God, man. It's it's like that one time, like when, when that one time that Makaku was banned from from being in the stands, and they were playing Vizela, and Vizela has that sort of like small mountain, and he was just there watching the game. It's like, come on, he's not being punished. You know? Yeah. It's, if if those guys, the big ones, uh, were punished, I think that would also send a message to those that follow them, like. Hey, I'm not as I'm not as big as him, and if he's getting punished, then maybe I shouldn't do this either because my punishment is probably going to be a lot worse than his. And so I just think that we have a very uh, just nonchalant attitude about this. Like this is just absolutely normal. Apparently, so, double we're just bird, one more man, one more. double middle finger man is banned. But I mean, yeah, he's, he's one of about three hundred guys that ended up on the field. Yeah, there was like, a couple yeah, hundred. Yeah, Listen, and there, there was one person in that stadium. That should have a lifetime ban, and yet he was there on Sunday night. You guys know who that was? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna mention it on my man. Yeah, VIP pass. <laughs> VIP want to push the box, eating his fucking cage convenu. What happened to shame, man? But but let me say a but here. Did you see who he brought with him? <laughs> I mean, who knows if that wasn't just somebody right there? You know, they took yeah, the yeah, yeah. Just, you know, back again. You think he can bag that? That's that's why I don't, I don't believe. For he embezzled enough money from you guys. He could bag that. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Oh man, yeah. dude. Like it just—it's pathetic. There's no action in Portugal, so I just like it's just whatever. Comunicados, comunicados, and that's it. That's what happens in football. There's no real uh, action. If we brought out good, uh, I think if we brought out Goodie Lops, like there would be a fucking riot at the Alpha. Bruno. Bruno, Bruno, Bruno actually would cause a riot, but they would never have yeah. that. Listen, Let alone you know what? Whoever's left of Zubaleo would lose their fucking. I, I, I want to see this where, you know, Alba Fika now has the DJ beforehand who plays the. You guys need to bring in Bruno Bukash as the DJ Oh, buddy, that place would go down. We can't, we can't even we can't even start the pitch because we got that bullshit moat. So like guys would try to start the pitch, fucking fall like fifteen feet. <laughs> <laughs> that open anyway. So 
I'm going to steal a joke here from Justin from the Portugal corner, but it just sucks. Luis Flivieta, he couldn't even bring a fake mustache. They would still recognize him, you know what I mean? <laughs> couldn't come with, like, a top hat and, like, glasses or something. Like, not, not, no effort. Epic nose. Oh, my God. Like, nothing. Just oh. no effort. Yeah. I just want to follow up on what Chris was saying quickly about the Camino Carlos, because did you guys see that Arsenal released one and how... Like the football would shut and they're like, oh, how embarrassing. I'm like, yeah, we do this every week. And like, we do no this all no time. Yeah, Madrid do it every other day, bro. Yeah. yeah. And, and to be fair, in the Arsenal game, I think they probably were. They have a right to. I think they have a bit of a right to be upset about that. So, like, fair. But yeah, that, I thought that was crazy. But in terms of being in the stadium, me personally, I've always been on the side that if you are going to be in a home end, I, I personally wouldn't wear any sort of colors matching for example Dude, that's a european again that's a european thing in north america we don't give a shit yeah, yeah. No, ex- yeah exactly definitely it's it's it's, <laughs> it's the way because i was i was I've always been told this story by my dad he went to watch arsenal versus chelsea at stanford bridge as an arsenal fan yeah and he was in the Math- Math- matthew harding end which is like back in the day proper hard nut chelsea fans and he went Very with cool. my brother who was like five or six at the time and like they had to buy the fake Chelsea shirts just so they like could get in without having an issue. I think Patrick Vieira scored the winner. My brother, being four years old, did, doesn't Didn't realize he gets up and goes, "Yeah, like." And that my dad's like, "Shit, like he's like, shit, we're done, we're dead." But yeah, for me, I, like, I'm not saying she, she, of course, she didn't deserve that. And of course, people who. What's well, a different mentality? Yeah. Yeah. It's a different but mentality. Me, me personally, maybe because I, I don't know, because in my head I was like. When I saw it, I was like, oh, she is going to be a woman. She'd probably be fine. Like, if it was a woman and child supporting the other team, it's like, okay, you can forgive it. But then, obviously, you see what no, happens. Those Benfica it's like... fans didn't discriminate. Yeah, no. Yeah. So, so, yeah. I, I think it is a cultural thing. Because even at the last game I went to, which was Stephen versus Oxford, there was a, a fight there. So, it's just like, maybe it's just something I'm used to in, in that regards. But, yeah. I mean, hey, hey well, at least we're not sexist. We beat the shit out of everybody. Yeah, you guys did discriminate. <laughs> right. You were like, fuck it. Anybody, anybody can get it. Oh my God, we're so bad. Oh my God. Jesus. That's so bad. That's bad. So I don't bad. give a shit who you are. Anybody can get it. Woman, yeah, child, man, triple, anybody. You're all getting anybody. it. Anybody. <laughs> hey, guys, I, uh, if you don't mind, I, I, I do have. Uh, one question and something that I, I wanted to share that I forgot. Because uh, she was talking about the, the Porto uh, game, like Benfica, like Benfica is going to Porto games and all that. Mm-hmm. I have a I have a sporting uh, friend. He's actually my my best friend is a sportingista. Um, and he often goes to uh, the games uh, against Porto uh, because we live here, obviously. So um, uh, he but he says that every time they leave, um, there's always people waiting. Uh, for them to beat them up they have like sticks they they, right. they they have you know baseball bats all that kind of stuff just basically with crowbars they're just waiting for them for the match to end and then to try and hurt and it, to me it's just it, it's ridiculous how somebody can't go safely to a game but that that's just something that i wanted to say uh i do have a question that's a little bit off topic but sergio kind of brought it up with the dj thing and i've seen a lot of benfiquistas talk about it and i kind of want to know your opinions as, as sporting issues and overall you know football fans if you would like for this to be a thing for sporting so i went to the benfica game against um, estrela da madura and um i arrived quite early so i basically went through the whole pre-game thing um 
and they have a DJ that basically has like dance cams and they 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 play songs and they basically encourage people to sing popular songs, but they change the lyrics to Benfica related stuff. Uh, and a lot of Benficistas are saying that that's killing the atmosphere. And to me, I kind of see it as a little bit of a harmless thing because yeah. you're, you're waiting two hours for the game to start. So it's not something that should affect anything. But a lot of Benficistas are basically coming into uh, the, the stadium with like 15 minutes uh, before kickoff because they don't want to sit through all that. So as, as sporting issues, how do you guys think about what do you guys see uh, when it comes to that? Can I, can uh, I start this one? Yeah, yeah, go for it, yeah. We, we were at the hockey game on Saturday because this is a good story. And they played Country Roads. And let me tell you, 22,000 people singing Country Roads by John Denver got me fucking fired up. And this was during the game. I have no problem with that. Like, it's two hours. You got If you're there two hours before and they've got some time to kill, why not? It's better than sitting there in, like, utter silence. Like, it's not harming anybody, really. And, like... I don't think it should have any effect on the actual atmosphere of the game. If anything, like if people are kind of happy and in a good mood and entertained, I would think that would actually help the atmosphere a little bit. But that's just my two cents. For me, it feels a little artificial. And I think maybe atmosphere like that should be more natural. And I don't really know what the answer is to get it more naturally. But for me, like... I'm sure Benfica have loads of songs dedicated to Benfica anyway. Play those mm. before the game. Don't like. I agree if, if with that. Leave yeah, if, if you're saying they're, they're, for example, they're playing, I don't know, uh, a popular song and changing some of the lyrics to Benfica, then it's like, I can I can understand why people don't enjoy it. And dance dance cams and like, I don't know if they do kiss cams and stuff like that. But for me, it's just, that's a bit too, no no disrespect to anyone from, that's more sort of Americanized. For yeah. me. It's totally. Not saying that's a bad So you're, you're, you're obviously in the UK, so... A lot. So there's been a, a big talk about how the EPL is pivoted more towards family versus what it used to be back in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. yeah. Male dominated, hooligan, all that. They pivoted because of money to family entertainment. How is the free game in, in in England? Like, have they pivoted to that as well? Because I see that that's the clash now in Portugal. Benfica wants to pivot it to more of a family game. And take away, and some of the ultras are are against that. They're like, well, that's mm. sapping sapping uh, the energy out of out of the the fan experience, the natural energy that we that we used to have with all these ultras. How is it in England? Like, do you, do you see the same thing happening in England, where it's becoming so more Americanized? For so the both times I've been to watch Arsenal sporting, so obviously last uh, this year, technically last year, and then in twenty eighteen. For, for all they they just played like normal songs that makes it it was just like just chart music i suppose like before the game but mm-hmm. i guess i guess that's sort of more normal in the the sort of bigger epl like you say more family orientated I, I think like i say 10 15 minutes before the game i now know arsenal have their own song which is similar to like the liverpool you never walk alone song which they play before they come out obviously and i think Manchester united have theirs chelsea have theirs but for like lower leagues, for example, when I've gone to watch Stevenage, there's just no music. It's just fans. It's, fan, just, it's violence. just 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 fans talking. There's obviously they'll make some announcements. They'll talk about like they'll have like competitions. Like I guess they have that aspect of it where it's like for the two Stevenage games I've been to this season, they do like um, the competitions for the little mascots, like you know to to walk out with the players and they give them stuff. 
but yeah i guess it's it's not sort of americanized per se with like the kiss canada dance i think it's just more like you said catering towards the the family the children and stuff like that which to be fair i don't mind but stuff like dance cams kiss cams for me it's just like that's a bit too much for me. I'm, I'm with you there and those things are kind of weird and annoying but like they want to play like some songs like who cares that's kind of where i fall yeah i mean I guess like, the, like, yeah. to me in my mind the alternative is them just kind of like turning the radio on and just letting it play top just, yeah you know, you know chart songs like sam said but i guess the dj is just basically a little bit more interactive version of that yeah they're trying yeah. to get some people involved it seems yeah. yeah, and that's why that's why I kind of I kind of liked it. And just to answer something that Sam said, uh, they do play the Benfica uh, songs as well. Uh, but yeah. they also play, for example, like the "I Got a Feeling" song from Black Eyed Peas. Oh, they kind of change lyrics to that and all that. Some, and then they play regular. So they switch in between. So they play Benfica songs. They play um, top one hundred type songs, and then they play um some songs with different lyrics so they they kind of interchange everything and there's only a dance cam by the way no key scam at least that okay. i that i noticed so uh <laughs> and that that seems to be okay i i only asked because obviously I, I unfortunately i don't get to go as many games um as as i wish i could to to the luge and i just saw so many people upset about it and i just i kind of don't get it i understand if you kept it up like all the way until the start of of the of the match but it only goes until before warm-ups when it starts going to warm-ups they actually kind of stop the djing and it's just regular i know it's like what percent of the stadium is even seeing that on average 15 percent max you know i would say less even like how (laughs) many people get to the how many people are walk are like still walking in the game as the players are like in the tunnel i I know especially in portugal (laughs) right you're kind of like tailgating i guess inside of the you can be tailgating inside of the stadium you don't need to be outside of the stadium and what does it matter if a dj's playing or not you're still listening to those annoying songs whether a dj's there or not and the dj kind of helps at least uh, well theoretically you know it helps i I think it's a symptom of a bigger issue at hand now especially with they think in sporting where you know there, there are rules now you have to be a legal clock to be able to bring in flags, banners, and all that. And so because neither of the two uh, clocks, the other image and the new name boys are legal, they can't bring anything in. They can't bring pyro technically in. Banners, you know, we've lost a little bit of that. So before these big derby and classic games, you'd see uh, them roll out things, right? Like banners, you know, and that's it, or like stuff like that, right? To kind of add to the spice of it. But now that's all gone away because no name boys and and government refuse to be legalized because they don't want to comply with the government's rules. And so a lot of that's gone away. So Benfica has taken it upon themselves to take over the ambiance and and the vibe of the game by doing this stuff pre-game. So that's kind of where it's at. But a lot of people are complaining that the ultras have used to be the voice and the atmosphere at the Stadelouche. And because they've been stripped of that, of all the banners and flags and all that, the Luzes lost a little bit of that spark, right? And I don't know if it's the same thing as the Avalad, and I'm pretty sure it is. The, the, you know, um, the, I think the Directivo is, is is butting heads still with your administration, right? Um, They're all butting heads. All the clocks are kind of butting heads with each other. Exactly. So, I, and so, and that that's contributing to part of the, the the issue with the atmosphere at both stadiums, right? The the ultras and the clocks are not seeing eye with the administration, whereas in Porto. 
the one thing they do well, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but Super Bowl is geography, flags, banners. You look, you go into that stadium and you say, oh, shit, now that's a football match because they've got banners and flags. All. That's because they're legal and they get okay. funding, right? So that's that, that's the reason why their adversary seems so much better than the other two, right? And that's that's part of the problem right now is, you know, there, there are problems, internal problems within both clubs with their ultras and the clocks that are, you know, leading to the problem with atmosphere at both both stadiums, right? Yeah, but Sergio, yeah. just real quick before uh, for guests chime in, I want to say something about the Porto situation. Uh, Porto actually have illegal objects there. So there's there's flags, uh, there are flag sizes that aren't legal that the Super Dragons bring. I mean, there's a flag. I was going to say, you could talk about flags. They they threw a bullet at Trincao last year. Yeah. A bullet. A bullet. Like a fucking actual bullet. I'm not here to argue whether it's right or wrong to have a bigger flag or a smaller flag. That's not the point that I was trying to make. It's just that they do those things because they sort of can. Nobody stops them. Uh, you know the microphone situation with with, with macaque when he's you know shouting on the on on that mic. He's actually not allowed to because those mics are actually specific for certain functions and aren't allowed inside stadiums. But here he is shouting at the player trying to take a penalty kick. You know, so <laughs> you're right. They they get away with bloody murder with a lot of things, right? But but you can say the same thing with they think in sporting. I mean, we all. We have, there's a certain level of tolerance, and we turn the blind eye for a lot of things that they think in sporting as well. So, but like I think that's that's part of the issue. I think of Portugal's, the uh, there there is a, some internal conflict with the cult with the clocks and each club. Um, I think in sporting, and that's probably leading to what you're seeing right now with the atmosphere at those stadiums. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I'm going to quickly that. just piggyback from, from that. Uh, before I speak on the game quickly, just um, about the light show. I have a bad experience with them because in Tottenham and Man City, both the away days have been to where like, the light show is like, like it's a, it's a little spectacle and the home fans yeah. like it. Fa like you said, friends and family, uh, they're like, cool. But in the Spurs, when I went to Spurs game, it lasted about five minutes and it was so bright that genuinely it gave me a headache and I, I couldn't like <laughs> actually watch a lot of the game. Like if if you had like like you like were prone to like strobe light, you had epilepsy, you'd be in trouble because oh, it was just shambles. it was just like five minutes of constant lights, and it's just like oh, like it genuinely does like hurt your eyes. So I, I hope to never see that sporting. But um, close, your, close your eyes, you can still see it, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> how bright it is. Didn't so you guys install LED lights those. though, Sam? Say again, sorry. You guys installed the LED lights, right? No, we no. haven't. Not no, you haven't yet. No. I, I thought you so, guys had... they they've been talking about it for a while. But the way the because our city was never built properly, really. The way it's oriented is it just it's more expensive to do it than it would have if they would oriented it properly. It's just weird. Just the <laughs> the way the stands are laid out. Right. Yeah. Please, you guys are much more in that mode. You guys need to fill in that mode. That's the stupidest thing. I swear to God. You know what? You know what pisses me off? Because I, like, my, my family's from Avedo. I hate that. And they, it basically the bay, the stadium in Avedo, the municipality of Avedo, is basically yeah. the Alvalade with yeah. a, It's on a smaller scale without the moat. And I'm like, why couldn't we have just had that? Just yeah. Literally, literally, give me that stadium scaled up to like the 40 or 50k. Absolutely. That's all they needed to do. It's the like exact they, same stadium. They just don't have a fucking moat. You guys did a great job with updating the sea colors. Like the the sea colors, yeah. originally were just so stupid. Like it just. It was just 
weird, right? But now that it's all green, it looks sexy. Like it actually looks. Shout out to Thomas Tavaya. You know what I mean? But but that moat thing, you guys need to fill in that moat yeah. so that you can celebrate when you get when you, you you hit the 90th minute goal against them. <laughs> fill it in so that the fans can run onto the field. They've, they've done some stuff. Moving the fucking finger. Like They've done, they have, I will give this administration credit, they have done some stuff to finally make it feel more like Spartan Stadium. Yeah. At least like the Stade de Luz, Stade de Regal, they feel like Benfica State, they feel like Porto's home. The Stade de Alvalade didn't really look or feel like sport, like, like Spartans. It had the weird multicolored seats, these weird bathroom multicolored tiles on the outside. So they've, they've slowly but steadily started to make it look and feel more like it's actually spark things home not just some weird random neutral venue but we, yeah. we can thank thomas Tavita for uh for that stupid fucking moat <laughs> dumbass Definitely. uh before i move on i'm just gonna quickly say my two cents on the game um i have shown him the whole time and i also didn't want to put a joke in there to that guy who put his middle fingers up at dan who hasn't wanted to do it this season so, <laughs> um, but um but yeah i will say a dan was fantastic. He was mm-hmm. he was incredible, and like obviously I, I hate him a lot. That that save from Di Maria for one that sort of looked like it took a bubble and went out for a goal kick. He definitely got a fingertip on that. And fair enough, the, the referee didn't see it, but that was a great save in itself. And then the one from uh, Jean Mario, that save as well is just it. Like I just couldn't believe what I was seeing because if if that was like two weeks ago from I don't know Mateus Oliveira, that's that's a goal for Ferenc. That town doesn't save those. So it's like he it was he was so like so five point four of course because he conceded two, but at no point do I think Dan had any fault at, at the goals, which is definitely rare. But I think the the five point four is is a little harsh to a Dan because I thought he was arguably probably one of the best players on the pitch. I it's would because say. it's the scoreline, right? They're going to bump him yeah. down because of the scoreline. I feel, but I, I do I want, agree with you, Sam. I do wonder if it was one nil, would a Dan be man of the match? And for me, probably I would say. But, um, but yeah, and then I'm looking at uh, Inacio. Yeah, I agree. It was uh, 100% two yellows. Stood on the guy for the first yellow. And then the, the second yellow was, it. Or like you guys said, in real time, it didn't look like a thing. But there was one replay on Bifika TV. I mean, probably like the second. It, it, you could see it does make contact. And it is, it's annoying because Inacio should know better. He should be more aware of his surroundings than to stick his leg out for Rafa. And there's, you can blame the age, but, you know, he's been a professional for now, I think, four years. You need to sort of get that mentality out of you're just young, you make mistakes. And I know the article said after the game that he was was distraught and, like, he took the blame. But it's also like you should know your surroundings better than that. And I feel like Hasn't he, he done that before as well, Sam? Again, Sorry against, well, the yeah, time, against, yeah. against Sporting Braga. And literally, I think it was the first half he got a second yellow. But luckily, we, were, we, we won that game. We barely uh, won that game, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we didn't get to to win that one. Um, Pedro Gonzalez, man, how are you missing from there? It's literally one of the easy, like literally, put it left, put it right, goal, straight down the middle, keeper saved. And what annoys me about him and Nuno Santos, especially in every interview, they're like, "Oh yeah, I want to play for the national team. I want to do this for the national team." And with the performances not you're like, doing, like <laughs> why, like, why is Robert Martinez going to be like, "Oh yeah"? And I, you can say, "Okay, Totti Gomez doesn't inspire. He's not very good." But it's just like, why? I don't why think would... Totti Gomez is a real player. I've never seen him play. He did play, <laughs> he did play he this weekend exists. against Spurs, actually. I don't know. I've not seen him play. I don't think he actually exists. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just was just, if you want to get to the national team, you do, don't do it with performances like that, especially Pedro Gonzalez, man. 
it, imagine if he scores that. I know you could say like, oh, if if my my auntie had stone, she'd be my uncle. But it's like if he scores that, that's what two nil, and that's ben, Benfica probably game done for for me. Like obviously anything could happen, but for me that's that's that. Um, but you know, I will say for me in terms of offensive players, Edwards was fantastic. The pass to get Pedro Gonzalez in that position was like ten out of ten. Like I I couldn't believe he made it. And the fact that he scored it as well, well, he didn't score it, just uh, just made it made it worse for me. And then obviously Edwards getting that assist for Yoko, as we mentioned it before, was fantastic. And I do understand why he brought Edwards off because he wanted to bring Pedro Gonzalez into the middle and then play with just sort of three midfielders. But I always feel like he's hard done by whenever there's a red card or there's something, it's always Edwards the first one to come off. And but maybe you take Pedro Gonzalez off in that instance because he did bring Pedro Gonzalez off Trincao eventually. So it's like Maybe you do bring Pedro Gonzalez off, but I understand. I understand why he didn't. He he made that sub, and um, Yokres as well. People, I saw people on Twitter were saying like, "Oh, Morato kept kept him in his back pocket." It's like, but he scored. Like you he can't scored keep a goal. In, yeah, you, you can't you can't keep someone in his back pocket. But to be fair, I don't blame. Like it's not any of the Benfica defenders' fault. I think it's just a powerful shot. Trubin gets a hand to it, but we've seen those from Yokres. Well, Nadio got bodied in the build up. Yeah, yeah, that 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 was the only issue. <laughs> yeah, but I think for Trubin, it's like he gets a hand to it, but it's like you know, it's 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 we've seen Yoko score loads of them. They're just too powerful. He's got a strike on him, and then once it goes on goal, you know, it's uh, a difficult one to score. But that um, shot had like a zero point zero zero two expected goal or something like that. I it, it was point it was it was point zero eight point zero eight something ridiculous. Yeah. It was a terrific yeah. shot. That and uh, the only other two players I really want to mention, okay, maybe three players I want to mention, is Mateus Reis and this guy who are so bad, man. Man he can't cross the ball. Ah. I mean, prove that one once again. Yeah, Mateus Frustrating Reis going like, forward. And Mateus, Mateus Reis versus Di Maria is always going to be a struggle because we knew, we knew he was getting cocked before the game even started. That's why I personally would have started Nuno Santos, but again, I understand it. That was probably the only decision I probably The thing is, this is not Mateus Reyes's worst, or be- it's like an average no, game no. for him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I felt like Esgaio, man, I saw a stat, I don't know if it was true, but it was like out of the 15 times Sporting lost possession, Esgaio lost it 11 times. They could, oh, that's that could not be. A good number at I, all. Saw, I saw someone, someone tweet it, but it wasn't like the official stat. I think it might have been like Sporting Tactical, maybe that, that like tweeted it or something, but. If that is true, that is just crazy because he was he was he was very bad. And so then, why isn't Ivan being trusted right now? Like, why don't you guys incorporate him in? Like, I don't understand. He, what, he was it? injured for this game allegedly, but he was oh, injured allegedly. last game allegedly as well. He also but, has done nothing with his opportunities, if we're being real. Yeah, yeah. he played in the the Tasta Portugal and gave away a penalty against the fourth division side. He played against Atlanta, <coughs> thrown up was thrown in the deep end, but got skinned by Adamola Lookman like. Five times in about ten minutes. He got cocked back in. Yes. So I I feel like he yeah he's not been given a chance and but when he does, but again he does get thrown into the deep end at times. Like he, I think he had Braga. He had yeah. um was it, it was Braga Atlanta and obviously the the fourth the division side. But um but yeah I I assume he'll probably get more opportunities. But um but yeah. I... Sorry, uh, I actually I actually spoke with my my sporting uh, friend um, before uh, the game, and I asked about Fresneda, and he said that he just hasn't uh, delivered in any of his opportunities. Uh, but I also think that it goes down to 
what we we call those those favorite players, uh, you know, that the coaches have. And for some reason, Ruben Amorim is always going to give the benefit to the, of the doubt to Gaio, and he won't give it to uh, to somebody else. You know, I also think that plays a part, and we see that a lot in uh, in Benfica. Uh, as well, for example, like João Mario. Uh, João Mario gets plenty of chances, uh, but Thiago Villa has like two uh, great 10 minute displays where he maybe gets a goal or an assist, but then he doesn't even make the bench the next game, you know? So I yeah. think that also plays the part. The, the coaches sometimes they're, for some reason, too stubborn with players that are just completely average and everybody can see that they're average, but for some reason they just like them. Oh, they buy yeah. into this. That's why, you know? That's why they buy into this. Yeah, and I think with Fresneda as well, he comes from Valladolid to play the fullback, obviously moving into a fireback. Now, it is a completely different position. You have to attack, you have to defend, you pretty much have to do everything on the pitch. Whereas a right back in a fullback, sometimes they want you to defend more, sometimes they want you to attack more, but it is learning a whole different position in, in a different league. And it is, and to be fair to Esguile, he's he's not been great this season, right? But he's not been. He hasn't been bad enough where he's not playable. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But the thing is, you guys are sporting, and those players shouldn't be starting. They For should sure. be stopgap players. Like, yo, uh, our starting right back is hurt. Let's play this guy. Our starting left back is hurt. Let's play this guy. He should not be your starter. That's but the thing. Sometimes I, I, we I, get... Right now for Benfica, though, let's be honest. Uh, because, uh, uh, well, but that would be because we don't have Ba. But you want to well, be, you know, if you had him and Ba... Yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say. I think if the the one thing I said in this in the group chat, I said if Jenny Katamo is is in this game, I do think maybe maybe not with ten men, but I do think it's a different scoreline because Jenny, yeah, I I think probably would have started at right wing back, and he he for the last what four games before he got injured, he was so good. He was he was playing uh, well. Uh, he was arguably one of the best players on the pitch in like the last three or four he's games. Gonna be a steal from Amora. He's gonna be such a steal. Oh my god. He's gonna be yeah. such a steal when you guys get and sign him on. On, I think it's a it's gonna be a permanent deal afterwards, right? Uh, uh, we own him, but we they have like fifty like fifty percent, I think. So yeah, yeah. But it was he a, wasn't it was an a academy special. No, he is from. He wasn't at Demidora. It was Amora. Amora. Yeah, sorry. Oh, okay. It was I a no I he was. I was going to say that he was he's like one of the few academy players that's actually shining through, but he's not no. scratch that, yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry to disappoint. No, he came from Amora, but we only own like a I think we only have thirty percent of his yeah, pass. It's oh, it's that, yeah. it's a veranda special. Yeah. It's like we're gonna give you all this for And like, bef before the season we went to buy some and I think they valued it at like one million. They're like, Oh no, that was too much, we're not paying that. Now obviously Jenny's put in so many good performances, they've gone back and then more have gone, Yeah, three million now. Three million so, yeah. the price, like understandably. Yeah, you don't blame them. But you're um, always oh, paying I, for potential. You always have to pay for potential. You gotta think that. Like sometimes maybe a player might seem more expensive than we should be, but if you guys like you said uh, if he was one valued at one million, just pay the one million. It's like the Pedro Gonçalves thing. You guys, uh, Pot's first season, I, and I told you, Sam, I thought that Sporting should have sold Pot after the first season. I don't know if you remember that, but I told you yeah. that. Uh, but either way, uh, getting Pot, because Sport was just not willing to pay that extra, like 500,000 or something to Family Coin, just ridiculous. Guys, it's like 500k, just pay the 500k. 
Yeah, it was it was more than five hundred k though, wasn't it? it? Was something like, like that. no, I don't think it was. It was, it was, it was like I think six million. Had... And you guys paid seven million or something like that. It was no, we we paid six million for fifty percent. So they yeah, that's another the... six on on top of that. So they yeah, no, six but... million, which we did end up paying. I think yeah, but you or guys paid the first six million. Yeah, the guys paid yeah. paid the first six million. Porto were willing to pay like five or something like that. It's like they pay pay that extra. 500k or that yeah, extra yeah. million and get the player because sometimes we're, we're teams like value pennies way too much like if if a guy's gonna you if you if you think that this player is gonna be good just pay sometimes it might not work out but it's better to at least have the player than to you know then have to get a have to give a king's ransom to to have him to own him i think you guys have that issue before i don't remember with who in specific but i do We've think that's a couple of times yeah because you guys you usually do those 50 percent kind of deals and then you won't want to own the player fully but he's already luckily he's sort of so moved much on from that now he sort of moved on from the 50 percent deals we've got like 70 80 which is like yeah. normal i suppose in most like you always yeah. give like 20 percent, 15 percent. so you always give a bit of like a salon clause usually nowadays yeah Some, uh, yeah sometimes teams prefer actually to keep the the percentage so it's actually even more than the sell on or whatever can we kind of what we did with uh, with enzo and you guys yeah. asked was was enzo expensive no we paid like 15 million for him because I'm, I'm not even sure if he got to hit his objectives uh and uh, and river still made like 30 million total uh because the 15 yeah. from if he can like so, or even more and they may they might have made even 45 million or something uh, yeah but it's worth definitely. it like yeah, 50 yeah. million for a player like that just pay let's do it yeah definitely uh, like last you guys thing in the on, by the way Ilman yeah, is the ones, yeah. yeah great player yeah the the last thing i want to bring up in the, the game is that i thought i thought Hjormund was fantastic this game i thought he commanded army field he moves like a captain he's all like i know it's annoying for other fans but he's always the first one up to the referee he's loud he, he talks to everyone and also, he gets bonus points for laughing at Paulinho coming on because that also made me laugh. <laughs> I think it made everyone else laugh as well. So I was like, uh, I, I loved it. But um, other than that, in, in terms of the game, I think we've hit the nail on the head. Joel Neves for Benfica was, was fantastic. But I will will pivot and just say that I think the league is still wide open. And I'll say it because not one of the big three have looked good. I, I think That's what I said last good. week. You're still on my point. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> I, agree with, I agree with you. You're right, because we've nearly bottled Lees. We we were tuning up against Vizela and we bottled it. We only beat Estrella Amadora, three goals to two. And it's just some some footballs like that. Benfica, of course, lost to Bovista. They've had some drop points in there as well. And even this PM. game. Yep, Caspir. It took you what 90 it took well, it took you 53 minutes to score against a team who had 10 men. And even before then, you couldn't yeah. get a goal in, in no, between. Nobody's there. looked outstanding this season. I will say, out of the three, Porto probably looked the worst. Yeah, I still think it's still yes. very early in the season for them to make it up. And if, uh, to be fair, I think if anyone can make up those points, Consasal, maybe not with the recent events, what's going on with Porto in general and the the AG and things like that. But I do feel like what Sergio was saying with Ruben Amorim, Porto have a system that the players buy into, and sometimes that system is just you know win together, lose together. Sergio Consasal. They will run through a brick wall for Constantine. We all know that. Yeah. They, yeah. they, they love him as as a manager, and you can you can tell. So I think, like I said, I think the league's still wide open. It's what November fourteenth. We're is eleven. We're only eleven games. games in, right? Like, yeah, there's a lot yeah. of games left still. But I don't Any think guys... it's going to be be the last drop points for for either Sporting, Benfica, or Porto. There's going to be another few losses in there. Just the way that both teams are playing. 
January can come along. You, you could lose Joel Nevis. I know it's been linked to Man United as of today. Diamonde yeah. and Inacio has been linked to Newcastle, everywhere else. And obviously Porto players, uh, Taremi's <laughs> been linked away. And there's Diego Costa's always linked away. So, but I'll, uh, to be honest with you, if there's any team that's going to sell in January, I think it's more likely to be Porto than it is Benfica or Sporting. I, I think yeah. Porto, given their finances, and, and I don't know the what needs to happen before December 31st, but if there's anybody that needs to sell or a good potential sell would be Porto. It just depends on whether or not they get into the next round of the Champions League and get that extra money or not. But I'm, I'm I would agree, sure but I, I just don't think they have any valuable assets. I think Diogo Costa, of yeah. course, Ted is Ted like Costa the main one. Costa and then Ted 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 contract. Yeah, so he's, he's free to sign in January, yeah. so... He, yeah, they don't, yeah. no, nobody's really going to pay for it. done that with a lot of guys the last few years. They've had that happen where guys just left on a free. It's like you Corona made, like, and Bemba, and they're like important. Right. Like, it's they're like not you could have made like 10, 15 million, 20 million on some of these players, and you let them walk for nothing. Like they've almost shot themselves in the foot a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of, I mean, it's, it's like, uh, it's basically what the opposite of what I've been with Benfica and for example what they had with Grimaldo because the Grimaldo situation it happens like one once every every blue moon they yeah. they tried everything mm -hmm. to resign him and he just didn't want to stay in our league and he wanted to try something different. Like yeah. how many how many of those Porto players just didn't resign because Porto weren't willing to to pay them what they what their own. And they had they also went into a little of a trouble because they paid uh, Otavio like 15 million signing bonus or something like that. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to give that yeah. that high of a signing bonus, then other players are going to ask for that kind of same yeah. signing bonus. If that's a precedent. Well, yeah, I, mean, which, what... I, I guess it makes sense because would you you would have to spend a 15 million on a, a player like Otavio to get him in. So it's like, okay, fair enough, you don't get a transfer, but you are still having sure the Sam, but you're thinking but you're thinking in a fan's perspective and uh but you know what you in a player's remember. perspective they're not they're not thinking you know the the club's financials they're not thinking well, well yeah oh, we've got to let go they pay 15 million and for yeah. me they only have to pay like five million for my replacement according you know, to the costa and bemba wanted when to be the highest paid player in porto but and Bebe came out and said that's a lie but well we don't have to believe in that case i suppose but yeah i get what you mean I, I, I believe remember first, and I would <laughs> beat the guys oh, yeah. just saying. <laughs> yeah. But both of them could be trying to save face. You know what I mean? It could be a bit of both on both of them at that point. Sure. Sometimes it doesn't, and sometimes it doesn't work. Like the remember transfer ended up working, but it didn't work the first year or so that he was with them, yeah. right? Or or the yeah. first six months. I don't remember, but he he wasn't he wasn't like a crucial player for them anyway. I, I think he got injured. Yeah. He was at Newcastle got in he was out for like a really long time. Like yeah. probably like an ACL and MCL. And I think he just took quite a while to come back from from that. Um but but quickly because I know we've gone for quite a while. I just wanted to ask Peter and obviously you guys a question. But mainly directed the Benfica fans. Um so in the press conference uh, Schmidt came out and responded I, in my opinion, badly to a question that was asked of him. And oh, I think it was a yeah. fair question to ask. He sort of responded how Jurgen Klopp responds to every other question in the Premier League. Yeah, but I don't like Jurgen. From, so. from a Benfica perspective, Peter, what were your thoughts on how uh, Schmidt answered the question? I am going to be honest with you. I've listened to his response, but I didn't listen to the question fully. So I only have like half of the side. But either way, uh, I don't think that um, 
that the way that he worded it was was right. Like if he wants to protect himself and the team, which I feel like he kind of deserves to do that because he's been under so much duress and some of it doesn't totally make sense. Uh, he he should have worded it in a way like uh, we we're not like for example we're not at fault for Porto having a player sent off and uh, Sporting having a player sent off. We play our game and you know we do what we're supposed to do. We win. Blah blah blah. Uh, him saying that is kind of like a Sergio Conceição type of answer, but then it also leads the question as to why do they do a comunicado, as you guys say, about Schmidt, but no comunicado when Sergio Conceição does all the BS that he does. But either way, as a, as a Benfiquista, I'm not happy with the answer. I feel like he has every right to defend himself, especially from the way that the media has been treating him recently. I just don't think that he went about it the right way and I would assume that if he was able to get that answer back he would he would have said something completely different than what yeah because I guess in heat at the moment as well obviously big win and then you you get asked questions like that I can understand from like a heat at the moment question you might just be like you know come out with something you don't mean but um yeah yeah Richard did you have any thoughts on, on what you said um yeah, I, th- I think Peter kind of nailed it on the head. I just thought it was like unnecessarily a little hostile. I get he's been under pressure, but it's like there's no need to jump down a Porter Porter's throat for what I didn't think was the worst. It wasn't the best question, but it was far stupider and more egregious questions have been asked in press conferences and far calmer answers have been given. I just, I just think it was unnecessarily hostile from him. And it was like, there's no need for that behavior, man. Like, just relax a little. And yeah, I think if he had, if he probably had a bit more time to process, he probably would have maybe given a better answer. Maybe would have been a bit calmer. But it, what's done is done. Yeah, and I feel like it does depend on the manager. Because, like, for example, if if Mourinho says something like that, everyone's like, oh, what? A f- we've we've come to expect Mourinho. it from Mourinho, right? Mm. And even Costa South to an extent as well. I feel like that's yeah. something he would probably answer as well. Klopp, so just, like... Klopp just whines all the time, so that's why no one likes him anymore. Klopp's just like, yeah. we play too many. We we got to be in every competition, but then the next week we're playing too many games. Like, brother, make up your mind. Like, what do you want? Like that's that's yeah. why I get pissed with Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, Sergio, did you have any uh, thoughts on uh, Roger Smith's comments at the end of the game? I think it's just antagonizing, basically, from him. I mean, he's starting to show some of that that attitude that he had in Holland, right? Now, or the Netherlands. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I think uh, some of the fans there, the PSV fans, used to say that um, wait until the second and third year, then you'll start hating him because he gets annoying. So he's starting to reach to the, he's starting to go there. So I don't think it was warranted. The comment about maybe a Porto or a Sporting fan, but I can see why he's annoyed because the media has been basically going after him the last couple of weeks um, and saying, you know, how uh, there's there's uh, stuff in the background happening, you know, the, in the dressing room. So I think that was just his way of venting. Let's just be honest: the Benfica did not win because of tactics, you know, on Sunday. Yeah. Right. So I think it, it antagonized him when uh, that question came up and he just threw it right at him. I don't think it was a right response, but I can understand why he's saying it because he, he's basically pissed off or angry at that people keep throwing it at him that um, clearly his tactics are not hitting right now. So, you know, 
I can see why he was pissed, but it, I just don't think it was um, the nicest thing to say. But then again, the Portuguese media is, uh, you know, sometimes can be assholes. So maybe he is warranted from that perspective. <laughs> yeah. and, and to be fair with Schmidt, I think he also does something that a lot of people don't, which is actually take ownership uh of the mistakes i don't know if you guys pay too much attention to his pressers uh but they're usually quite short anyway they're like five to six minutes uh but every after you, you the, should hear marcus edwards if you want you want a quick efficient time management style answer interview marcus edwards <laughs> Um, but uh, but Schmidt gets asked the questions about you know Benfica's performance and all that, and he actually you know he usually says like uh, uh, we didn't do what we were supposed to do. This strategy didn't work. Well, and 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 sometimes uh, I can't quite from the top of my head remember something specific, but I know that a lot of Benfica pages that I follow uh, say something, for example, like Schmidt said this, and then they like elaborate in what he meant and what it actually, and it was something that transpired during the game. So he's actually usually very open about the mistakes that he, uh, that he makes. So I think it was most likely the heat of the moment thing. You beat Sporting 2-1 in four minutes. It's, uh, you know, the emotions are running high. Everybody's been counting you out, yeah. even though you're basically only being trash in the Champions League, which, of course, matters. It matters, but if you take out the Champions League, I mean, you're first in the league and you were second before that, you, um, you, you're you in every other competition that, you're, that you can be in. So it's kind of like doesn't make a lot of sense anyway to even put that, those kinds of negative clouds uh, among Schmidt. Uh, so I think that everything kind of just like, you know, it, 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 when you when you keep eating things, leaving them inside, and then you just sort of like explode, I think that was pretty much what happened. He just sort of exploded because of everything that had been going but, on. Yeah. I'll, say, I'll say this about the Portuguese league. I mean, that was probably the least most antagonistic Post game that I have seen in a derby or Clasco in years, like neither the 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 managers were up in arms and pissed off and they're throwing the referee under the bus. I mean, Ruben Amorim accepted it, moved on, and said, "You know what? It is what it is. It's football. It happens. You know, we'll work on these these mistakes. We'll work on it. We'll and then the game's not or the company not's not over. There's a lot of company ahead ahead of us. Let's not get too bummed out of it. Let's move on, right? Whereas if this was if this had happened a couple weeks ago with the Clasico with Porto and, and Benfica and Porto had lost 2-1 in the same fashion, Sergio Conceição would have been post-game shitting on the ref, saying how Porto was the greatest team of all time. He would have been basically throwing everybody else under the bus and then some. And and it's just it's, it's night and day, completely night and day. Whereas Ruben Amorim, classy, professional, you know what? It is what it is. It happened. We move on. You know, you know. Obviously, the the sending off effect of the team, but you know, we'll we'll get them next time. Is basically what he said. It was probably it wasn't a typical Portuguese presser at the end of the game. I'll just say that it was very calm from both from, from both sides. And like I think it was Christian who said that there are Christian who said that where's the comunicado? Like there was no comunicado from Sporting. Usually, there's a the losing team, whoever it is, throws out a big comunicado saying. We got robbed by the referee, and look at all these these things. Like Benfica did that the last time, Porto did that last time, and nothing. It's been the most quietest uh, post game of a derby or a classical in years, don't you think, guys? 
Like it just yeah. it's just weird. It seems like Maybe everybody it's, was it's ready to do that. Because I'm sick of just the extracurricular non like you yeah. said, the, the media is very very toxic in Portugal, so I don't mind there not being a lot of extracurricular oh, media shenanigans. I don't mind it. I just tend to think that the reason that there isn't is probably more nefarious than not. You know? We're too we're too conditioned <laughs> to it. That's why. Yeah. Maybe they're joining in, in the in the they're joining in the writer strike, so you know, trying to be in, in, in solidarity with them. We're too used. We're too used to like just stupid shit happening. That when like not like things are just kind of what everybody else would perceive as normal. We're like, wait, what's going on? Where it's just we. we yeah, I mean, in sporting, culture. always has the line. I mean, to be fair, they they do have the right to say this. They'd be like release the audio you know we're the only ones that want to release the yeah, audio of and no one else wanted to release the audio but we want to release the audio so re- like nothing yeah. nothing nothing it's crazy <laughs> yeah the, the only thing I, it is weird seeing how like Sergio said i don't think ruben Emery has ever criticized the referee maybe he said like a thing or two but he's never that's never his first like port of he course. Doesn't open with that. Just have, not his opener yeah, exactly. But then, like, sporting itself, like, straight away after his press conference is like, well, more so Miguel Braga last year was just straight away, just like, oh, have you seen this? This is Porto, this, you know, like we said, more, mostly Porto than Benfica. But I guess that is due to like the the sort of suing from Peter the Costa to Verandas. And I guess that's probably why there's more hatred there. But, you know, I, I guess that's it. Um, but Danny, since you're back, what are your thoughts on the, you know, Schmidt's comments at the the end of the game saying, do you, was he asked this question by a Benfica or, or Porto fan? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a, funny that you guys are talking about that. But um, nah, I mean, I, I don't make too much of that. I just, it just seems like bitterness. It seems like, um, I mean, I don't know where, where Sergio or Peter fall on like the Schmidt in or out. Um brigade that i feel like benfica fans have like slowly been creeping especially this year um which i don't think i think he's at least for this season i don't know what the impatience is but i get it i think it's just like more so like just a lack of confidence um or a lack of um not really i don't really know what the word is but i guess he's just he's not he's not willing to take any sort of criticism because he can't even like see himself i mean both peter and sergio sort of uh, said that throughout the, you know, maybe after the t- first 20 minutes of the game, you know, Bifika went stale and they're mm-hmm. playing at home. They're playing for their, not really playing for their lives, but it kind of felt like that at the po- at the time. Um, and had those last two minutes not happened, they could have been six points back and we're talking about a different thing. And maybe even, you know, the Schmidt out people are even louder. Um, so maybe that's why he said it. Um, but uh, I, uh, maybe he's just not used to, or he's sort of acclimatizing, I guess, to Portuguese football, which is nice because that is such a that's a Tuga response at the same time, you know? <laughs> yeah. So for sure. For yeah, sure. A very Portuguese response. Uh so I, I wanna say one thing and then I kinda wanna answer Danny if you if you guys have time. But yeah. I wanna say that one of the reasons why I think that uh, everything was so unusual, it was because this also happened for the first time in history. Uh, and I don't mean to rub this in on you guys, but Benfica and Sporting, you know, the, the derbies, nobody had ever uh, tied the game and won it, uh, you know, in the final uh, moments. Uh, so I also think that the situation was so strange that even uh, Amorim kind of like was 
no, he just admitted that it's football. It happened. That's basically what he said in the presser, right? And I think that's true. I think that he was just two plays and we score. That was it. There's not much to justify that. Uh, and, but uh, to answer about uh, the Schmidt in or out, um, I'm still I'm still Schmidt in, and I've been that way. But my criticism towards him has been the same since last season. So I'm staying consistent with the fact that I believe that he takes too long to make substitutions. Um, he also needs to learn that if you if you're if you're a coach for Benfica, it's great that you have the mentality of we're going to play this way. But you also need to watch who you're playing and think, okay, if we can't do this, then maybe we actually do that, but we just maintain the same kind of attitude. You know, like when we played PSG, we played PSG to win the game. And there was something that uh, if you watch um, Sporting, if you watch Porto and, and Benfica, a lot of the times we try and sit back. We don't try and, you know, fight for the result. And I thought that Schmidt um, actually started to bring that type of mentality again but you also need to read the opponent. So if you know if you, they're not going to allow you to do this, then you need to find ways to work around that. You can keep the same winning mentality. Uh, it just, just because you're adapting doesn't mean that you're losing who you are. Uh, and and last season, he didn't have as many options. Uh, and this year, he does. Uh, not to the midfield. I still think that we only have one defensive midfielder, and that's absurd. But if you look at the... <laughs> <laughs> but if you, right if you look at <laughs> if you look forward, uh, you know we have Gaddish, uh, uh you you have Casper, uh, and uh, you have Thiago Veia. Um, yeah. So he he has uh, opportunities to let guys play more, and he just doesn't do that. Catch came in in the eighty seventh minute, and Joe Mario was a player that to me at the halftime, even maybe even before that, he was gone because he just wasn't performing he wasn't giving anything to the team so like why keep a guy in that isn't doing absolutely nothing and you can see that he's bringing nothing i could understand di maria and that's why i sent the, when i sent sam the text i said di maria can spark magic magic that time because that's di maria it has a different pedigree than than, than joe mario right um and, and i also think that schmidt has this issue where uh, for because Casper, uh, I've been a fan of his. I've I actually known him before he he came to Benfica, uh, and I think that he suffers from the fact that he plays five or ten minutes as a striker, uh, behind the striker, left wing, right wing. How are you supposed to build a connection with the rest of your team if you're only playing five to ten minutes in four different positions? Like, how can you show yourself? It's just not possible. So I think that if Schmidt just adapts a little bit in a way that the team, you know, how he's supposed to build the team and just substitutes more and more often, um, I think that he's going to do just fine. But if he keeps on acting the way that he, he has, then things are going to uh, quickly running to the ground and and last season it, it's people are saying that oh Enzo this Enzo that even with Enzo we had the same issues I people don't remember that we beat Casapia one nil uh, in Leiria barely we scraped by Pasto Freira at home three two I believe something yeah like but you're that. not gonna be we, you're not gonna play lights out you know every right game, but every those game, no right? I yes yeah, Sergio but those are but games we, we that are we missing, we that are we, missing key pieces though right like we didn't really replace yeah. Gimaldo like we should have. We never have addressed that Enzo missing piece. And now 
Gonzalo Ramos is being missed, right? So those yeah. are three big. So he's. An, I'm still Roger Smith in until you guys fire Ruben Brink. Then I'm. I'm gonna take him because <laughs> <laughs> he's got a throne waiting for him here at the Luge. Mm. But he's missing. Nah. He's missing um, some key pieces. Like they think they're missing some key pieces. Now let's see if Kakshu comes back and and he proves yeah. his, his big, you know, price tag. But we need help on the wings we absolutely need help he needs help in the wings and you know i don't know what happened there but artur cabral who, who the fuck convinced Rui costa to buy that fucking picanha like what the fuck he was doing his old club a favor let's be honest he Fiorentina was like we need some money and he was like oh, okay but mind you though the guy that we were supposed to buy the river plate player who ended up going to Fiorentina has hasn't been playing well anyway so whatever yeah, he's Maybe got, like, got a goal. But now, but everyone talks about how we missed out on the on, on uh, Gimenez, right? From from uh, Fire Nord. We weren't going to buy him. 40 million. Who the fuck is going to buy him for 40 million? So um, I'm still Roger Smith in, but I'm I'm in until Ruben Amorim quits at sporting. But Ruben Amorim won't, won't downgrade to Benfica, bro. Come on, man. He's going to leave us <laughs> for like, you know. Really you know, he likes to go to his, to his green club. on the outside, but red on the inside. <laughs> yeah, well, he's, he's just ripening. He's, his he's a nice little watermelon, bro. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's, he's like he's like Richard right now with the Nigerian shirt, more like it, bro. Richard yeah. fell off rice, bro. <laughs> I had I had a can like a canvas shirt. I'm like. No, that's a that's a man. Too much red, yeah, too I can't much have red. this this red shit. All we got Benfica guys coming on the podcast. Change as it to an, something green. <laughs> as an outsider, if I could just quickly give my two cents on on what I think is also went wrong on Benfica. I think Sergio, you hit the spot uh, spot on the head with uh, the uh, especially now replacing Costa Ramos because you guys really pressed a lot from the front last year. Yeah, with Ramos. Um, I think it's also not being mentioned enough. Your injuries, right? Because um, mm-hmm. Cockchu and shit like that, he's been, they've been out. And Di Maria was out for a little while as well. Another thing is, it's not... And he's done well. I'm not saying he hasn't. But it's not easy to have like a turmoil at goalkeeping in the beginning of the season yeah. either. And then play the kid. And then now play Turbin. Um, So I think that's also, I think, what we've seen the slow start to Benfica. So... Yeah. I mean, hey, long may it continue, in, in my opinion. But, uh, <laughs> but I think that's that's you know where what what went wrong earlier, at least. Yeah. But now all is good. You guys won in two minutes, so yeah, I, all no, is well. So no need to address I, it anymore. You know. I think the <laughs> sure. Sometimes all you need is two minutes. You know, the football <laughs> gods seem to give everybody a solid one, one solid a year. They gave you guys a solid with the phantom goal at the beginning of the year with mm-hmm. VAR, right? They gave us this solid by winning this game, and now Porto's do a solid too, right? So I think we're done with solids. Probably Unless against us. More, probably against one of us. <laughs> yeah. going to be another right card, brother. If I see Sharpinero referee in that game, I'm just not going to watch. <laughs> <laughs> we're done. We're done. <laughs> if it's Sharpinero or Artur Suarez Diaz, I'm not even wasting my time. Fuck but I will say Ota- Porto is not the same without Otavio, right? So, mm-hmm. and if yeah. Pep is is injured as well, I would think uh, I think Uribe is think... also an underrated loss for them as well. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 and he, he walked away for free as well, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, another freebie. Like I don't get that team. Everybody wants, but like Sporting goes into that match as a favorites. Absolutely, they have they're the favorites. So you got to think that Cedric Quincy sounds going to do anything and everything to motivate that team to. To stick it to you guys, right? So, you know, but they're missing that spark with Otavio, right? And so, if there's any any time, any perfect time to beat Porto, it would be this year. You know, yeah. I don't think it's. I don't think it. I don't remember Befica winning both 
the Clásico and the Derby in the Primera Ronda, I think that's the first time in, in a couple decades. Like, it's been a long time since we've done that. We always usually stumble between, you know, one of the teams. But if there's any year to beat Porto, it would be this year because I don't think they're they're there this year. And we need really to. I think Abraham's winless in his last That's 10. what I was going to say, yeah. yeah. He's, yeah. he's never beaten Sergio Constancao in the league. So that is another thing. But Rui Vittar never beat um, Porto in, in the league and he ended up winning once, right? The, you know, yeah. Clock is right twice a year. Uh, twice a day, is that what they say? So yeah. eventually yeah. Ruben Ruiz. Broken clock is hoping, right twice a day. Hoping, hoping owned, uh, sorry to cut you guys off, but Hoping no, no. owned uh, Sergio Constancao when he was a Braga. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. They were great. Hoping and Mourinho played at the, and I remember that game perfectly that Braga won. I don't remember the score, but I remember the way that Braga played. High pressing, uh, Porto were not able to play in their own stadium. Yeah. So if uh, if Hoving and Mourinho just needs to figure out how to do it as, as a sporting uh, coach, because with with uh, with Braga, they were they were tremendous. I think they might have actually been in Porto more than, than once actually with him. So, yeah. Even when Amorim first came in, like in this first full season, we drew to Porto, which to be fair should have been a win if you look at referee decisions, but we said that for any game in the league in history. We drew to and Porto then, times in the league that season. Yeah, but we, like I was going to say, we beat them in the test of the league because of the league, Jovan, yeah. Jovan FC. We were speaking about last, <laughs> last minute goal. Bobble Jovan went sick over yeah. That's why. We, we, we're what? speaking about last minute goals for Benfica. Jovan came in with five minutes yeah. to go and scored twice. So, I mean, exactly. Yeah. Benfica, again, just wanting to be Sparting by, by you know, just, <laughs> by just imitating, doing what we right? did like years ago. <laughs> the only thing on Porto that I'll say, and then uh, my quick two cents, is no matter how bad they are or how bad they are on paper, it doesn't matter. They sub. They find a way. They they find a way. They grow. Classics are always different. Derbies are different. Yeah. Like you know, you can be like, look at you guys that clinched the title, practically clinched the title, coming to the luge, and we start beating you guys like three 0 And know? then we like, almost just, that game. It's just it's just so weird. And you guys were going into undefeated into that match. Yeah, you guys screwed up our season? invincibles year. Yeah, I know. Can you imagine mm. going undefeated and beating the shit out of us at our own stadium? Mind you, there was nobody in the, in the stands, but like oh. it, it's it was crazy, right? Mm. So you, you never know. Like you know, it's a different mentality. But I think Porto's missing that that X factor in Otavio now, and they have they've never really replaced them. They say Vidal's replaced, but but. No, Otavio's a piece of shit. Like he gets under, under your skin. He's a, he's a so shit. They have Chico. He's annoying. He's and annoying. they've got plenty of guys like that in that team, but he was different. He's different. Yeah. They're, they're missing. That's what he is. I, I think nah, watch where he's son. His gonna be the new. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> his son's <laughs> always been like that. But I, I think as well with Pepe injured and a few of players going and Otavio going, they don't have a leader anymore. There's no leader yeah, in that team that I see. Obviously, Casasau is the leader. Marcano is probably the closest that you have to a leader. I think Marcano's and then he's out. Closing. He's out for the season as well. Marcano's yeah. out for the whole year. And then Pepe. And Pep's, Pep's done. He's just gonna keep. That's gonna better. be washed. Like he, yeah. he's got he just can't stay healthy. Often. That's the problem. His body's not healing. Well, he it's, not plus, it's not a, it's not a question of ability with him. It's just his body's just Absolutely. not holding up. He keeps running back and, and coming back from injury too quick. Like he's obviously yeah. not ready to come back, and then obviously it just sets him off for longer. Being the age he is, it's going to take him longer to recover. So maybe this exactly. might be the last season step anyway. But and Loki yeah. Ustaku, just because of the three of us here, Ustaku's been balling this season. Has he's to be been playing well. Said. He's kind of he's their their leader at this point. I think. Yeah, yeah so at I would this say point, so. I think Ustaku's their leader, right? Which is not good from that. Not, not, not. I don't think you want him to be your leader at this point because I think you're used to seeing a 
I'm not saying Chicago doesn't have quality, but like there are they're missing there are missing some some pieces in that squad. And if there's ever been a time to beat Porto, it that the game would be this year, especially for Sporting, because like I said before, until this match, the Sporting has been pretty consistent. I mean, I remember sending Danny a, a message. I'm like, Danny, I'm betting on the Sporting beating Estrella. They're down two nothing. I don't care. <laughs> Thank you, brother. It was two one. Thank you, brother. I made some. Good, you you tweeted it, and I followed. I made some good like, money. Thank you, brother. There's no way Stilla is gonna beat you guys at the Alvalade, and when you guys bring it on, and you beat them three two. Like the yeah. Sporting is is probably you guys. I know all three of the teams are playing as well, but I'm telling you, Sporting is probably the most consistent of the three teams. For You've now. only really dropped points against Braga and and, and Benfica, really. Yeah. Um, you know, and the key to winning this this title is it's a marathon. It's not dropping points against the lesser teams, against the smaller yeah. teams, and so far, that Sporting's accomplished that, right? So that's why I still think that they're still the favorites, somewhat, to to be the title winners this year. Sporting is. Yeah, and on on that note, we're talking about betting. Uh, these guys know that. When Porto were losing Test the Real, I was like, there's no way Porto's going to lose. Ten times Porto <laughs> lost. Benfica were drawing to Casapia. Benfica were drawing to Casapia. I put a 10 on Benfica. No way Benfica are drawing. And they lost, and they drew. And I was like, I just need to keep betting. Obviously, keep I'm it up. money. But keep it up. These guys lose a point. Yeah, that's the best 10 you've ever lost, no? <laughs> if, it costs, if it costs you money for us to win something, I don't give a shit. It's not my money. <laughs> it's not your money, also, yeah. Yeah. I Just again, also on betting, I was kind of conflicted because I did bet the over. Uh, and it was over two goals. So the third uh, went in. So you want, and you it came to the back of my mind. Now. But it was a part of a parlay. Three, so like... <laughs> I'm not even that you've, happy. Like, fuck you've it. won, but at what cost? Yeah. But then I ended up winning the like, parlay, so I'm we're like, we're gonna okay, do another <laughs> to lose, right? So you're probably thinking that way. You're probably thinking I'm, another three to a lot. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna beat the crap out of them. That's probably. I was thinking, thinking a two-one. Right? I, I just thought, you know, <laughs> a Don and that. There's a smeller coming, but I thought we can maybe score Open two, off, right? I just I got the wrong team. Yeah. I think I had two-one as well. Actually, now that I think about it. But yeah, uh, we, I had I, I had, I had, I had one team. all. I wasn't yeah, as convinced. I had a draw. Was. Yeah, I had a draw going into this oh, match. Well. Yeah, but, yeah. but yeah, I guess that's a good place to end it. We'd be going just over two hours, so it's been eventful. We got a lot of stuff off the off the board, so it was it was all good. Once again, I just want to say thank you to both uh, Sergio first, who you can follow down uh, the bottom left there. Thank, uh, you. thank you for coming on, Sergio, and of course. Uh, Peter as well. Thank you for coming on as well. Appreciate you both for taking the time out and, you know, providing us. There was no sort of arguments. We, we've kept it civil, which is unusual. <laughs> if, only, in, uh... if only everybody could keep it as civil as we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. But, uh, but, yeah, and of course, make sure you uh, you get to follow these guys as well. You can follow Chris there. You can follow Danny here. You can follow myself there. Follow Richard there, but most importantly, make sure we follow all things Alvalade on Spotify, all the podcast platforms and all social media platforms. We are there. But yeah, other than that, thank you guys for watching. See you next time and peace.